You guys know I love Gooder sunglasses. I've been wearing them for years. Uh, I've, I've been collecting them basically at this point because, you know, they got all these different styles and they're so affordable. They're 25 bucks a pair. They're, there's no slip, no bounce. They're all polarized. They're, they're fun. You, you know, you have one pair for the beach. You have one pair for riding your bike. You have one pair to maybe go out to a, you know, a, a club. I don't know, a day club. Do you go to day clubs? That doesn't sound like a right thing to do. Uh, hey, they got a new frame, though. This is what I'm here to talk about. The Pop G. Pop art for your face. It's it's fashion. It's fashion on your face, guys. No slip, no bounce, just like all the other types of pairs. But uh, these are cool. Like, I want to I get a pair myself. Like, I, I have too many already, but I, I feel like I need to get these also. Vanguard Visionary, New Wave Renegade, Born to be Envied, Pop Art Prodigy, the mod one out. It sounds like the Pop G is a whole group of styles, so you can get all these different frames within the Pop G family. So that's pretty cool. Check those out, guys. Uh, and, you know, if you need sunglasses, this is the way to go. You don't have to worry about losing them. They're, they're 25 bucks, and, uh, you know, you, you just grab another pair if you need them. But uh, like I said, I've been collecting them because uh, I can't get enough of these Gooder sunglasses. If you want to support our show and try a pair, Gooder is giving Never Not Funny listeners free shipping. You can go to Gooder.com slash Pardo and use the code Pardo for free shipping. Gooder offers a 30-day money-back guarantee and 100% satisfaction. Again, that's Gooder.com slash Pardo and use the code Pardo for free shipping. Hey, guys. Jimmy Pardo here to talk to you about PXG. Now, listen, I wore this shirt uh, at a, a golf outing recently. and it, the, the way I described it is that uh, I felt like I wasn't wearing a shirt. That's how comfortable this thing was. PXG makes great golf clubs. We all know that. But what they also do is make great apparel. Uh, it's made with premium materials, technology designed for peak performance. Didn't help my performance, but I looked good. That's the important thing. You want to look good better than, than the way you golf. Is that a thing? PXG has something for everybody. Pants, polos, sweaters, hats, quarter zips, joggers, jackets, dresses, skirts, everything you could want. I loved it. Uh, I've got a second shirt that I can't wait to wear when I go golfing a second time, if my body allows me to. But, you know, I'll tell you what, with these shirts, I might as well just walk around the clubhouse and let people take a look at me and go, look at that stylish-looking guy, but his golf game is on point. Literally, they know. No, it's not. Hey, elevate your style game on and off the course with PXG Spring Summer 2024 Collection. Head over to pxg.com slash pardo. Use code pardo at checkout and save 10% on all apparel. That is pxg.com slash pardo. Code pardo to save 10% on apparel. pxg.com slash pardo. Code pardo. PXG. Grip it and wear it. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Please don't take this person out. Would you politely go to hell? Get the fuck out of my way. What's up, player? Do-do-do-do-do-do-do. Call the cops. There's a plant singing. That's the name of the van, you freak. Aren't she like Mr. Bean? I find you so asexual. Use it, use it. Don't me, Frankenstein. tape it's the fastest hour in podcasting this is never not funny now here's your host jimmy pardo 
Hello, everybody, indeed. Yes, welcome to the program, episode, oh boy, 2618? 2618, 15, 2615, 2616, 2617. Yeah. Aha! Winner, winner, chicken dinner. That's a phrase I've always hated. I don't know why I hate it, but I do. I can't explain it. I like chicken. I like dinners. I like winning. I like everything that that uh, sentence has, but I don't. Uh, do you hate put it because those words um, together. Guy Fieri? I, I think. Uh, I had heard it before, but Guy Fieri is the guy who really ran that phrase oh. into the ground, I think. I can tell you, I've never heard him say it. Uh, so okay. uh, I know it from like the 70s. And uh, mm-hmm. I forget that some comedian would say uh, it wasn't Red Buttons. It was never got a dinner. That was uh, his great phrase at the roasts about why are we roasting this man when so and so and so and so did all these other things. Never got a dinner. Uh, very funny <laughs> stuff. Uh, the great Red Buttons. Uh, welcome to the program. Day after Father's Day. I assume, Matt, you had a nice Father's Day yesterday? Yes, I did. Great. How about you? Did I have a nice Father's Day? That's a very good question. My, uh, uh, I did. My, my wife uh, bought a badminton set, a very uh, oh. inexpensive badminton set that you could set up uh, within seconds in the, the yard. They, they went to the park on Saturday and did it. And uh, then we set it up in the front yard uh, yesterday. And uh, I did as much as my back would allow me to do. I enjoyed... Uh, you know, hitting that birdie around a little bit, that shuttlecock, uh, with the, but you know, it's it's, it's a uh, the you know the rackets are ch- chintzy, but the you know the it, it who cares? It was all it fun. Should be that the badminton should not uh, you should not spend more than twenty dollars on everything it takes to play badminton. <laughs> uh, well, then you have not bought badminton equipment in a while. It uh, it's going to cost you a little bit more than that. Okay. Uh, but I will tell you that after we played just yesterday, and uh, I, of course, right uh, on brand with me, I I, I ordered a hundred dollar uh, racquetball or. Uh, Batman racket off Amazon. I, I, of course, didn't. I did not. But uh, boy, do I see that being something I uh, would have. Our, this was great, though. Our neighbor, a gentleman across the street, whose name I don't know, uh, but he's a very, very nice guy. Um, he, uh, we set up the net, and all of a sudden, he came running across the street with what looked like a $100 badminton racket. And he goes, I'm ready to go. And I said, <laughs> and, uh, I said bring it on. He goes, oh, yeah, we got one in the backyard. He goes, but that's a good looking net. And uh whenever you and i said i go well we just got it from big five and uh he said well when you're ready we, we got things set up in the back we're, we're here we're here so nice uh there may be some uh neighborhood badminton tournament going on that i will get my ass kicked if that guy uh has played uh, one other time than him running across <laughs> the street now how many people are in his family like is it going to be a three on three a four on three you know their house is uh it's i i don't i don't know who's who over there it's mm-hmm. um uh, I, I think he's probably about 45 years old and I think his wife and or girlfriend is the same age. Mm-hmm. And then there seems to be an older couple that comes there uh, a lot. And I don't know if they come to visit. Do they live there and then go somewhere else? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know. No, no kids. There, there, there are no kids. Okay. Uh, but there's always at minimum three cars. Hmm. Uh, they've also got a motorcycle. Uh, so, and they, from what I understand, they got a badminton uh, court in the backyard. So uh, we did that. Uh, I also, uh, we also had some dinner, of course, but then we went to visit. We also went to my in-laws. Uh, uh, yeah, Elise distance. showed me that on, uh, on, on Facebook, I guess it was. And uh, she showed it to me because she was just, she was like, look at the smile on Walter's face. It's like just the most touching thing you've ever seen. He looked so happy. Uh, it was, it was really touching it was it, it uh it was nice to see oh that's very nice uh, uh i don't know what wonderful story i was telling at that given moment <laughs> uh, um 
uh, I, uh, Danielle did because uh, Judy said, "Hey, take a you know take a picture or whatever." And then I said to Danielle, "Hey, did you take the picture?" And she said, "Oh yeah, ages ago." So it's like I, I don't remember that po- that picture of, uh, that photograph being taken. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was nice to see my our in laws. She had some uh, nice um, uh, uh, individual cakes, little uh, tiny cakes. Nice. I would assume from Victor Bennis because that's where my uh, mother in law gets all of her uh, desserts. Uh, and doesn't shut up about it. And um, I don't know what that is. Uh, I, uh, dude, I had never heard the name Victor Menace until 22 years ago when I started dating Danielle. <laughs> and Judy said, uh, hey, we're having cake. It's Victor Menace. And then it was just non uh, Danielle and I always joke about how it's Victor Menace. And yeah, it's uh, it's very good. It's very good. I, I will yeah. tell you that as a Los Angeles native, I have never heard those words <laughs> together. I believe it might be inside Gelson's. It might be. Oh, oh yeah. And I hardly ever shopped at Gelson's. The Gelson's uh, on uh, Laurel and uh, Riverside. I think so. Yeah. I, and you know why you haven't shopped at Gelson's, right, Elliot? Because it's a million dollars. Because it's a ridiculous. Yeah, you get yeah. a package of hot dogs that cost two bucks at Target or seventeen dollars. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there was. I don't know if there still is a Gelson's in, in Pacific Palisades, which is a ritzy little neighborhood. There and is I a Gelson's to, there. And I went to high school there, and I remember not wanting to to shop there, even for my little lunchtime snacks. They would let us go off campus, and I was like, somebody would want to go to Gelson's. like, huh. Now expensive. The, the main thing I yeah. know about uh, the Palisades, I think Tom Hanks lives there or, or lived there. I don't know if he still does. Um, maybe Spielberg. Did you, I've never asked you this, but it suddenly occurred to me. Did you, were there like celebrity kids at your school? Yes. Uh, the main one that I feel, I feel comfortable mentioning is uh, Dom DeLuise's kids. Oh, uh, Peter. School with them. Uh, uh, Peter, all three. So uh, oh, wow. Peter, Michael, and David. Peter used uh, to live I, up the street from me in West Hollywood when I lived oh, in cool. West Hollywood. It's weird. I never really knew Peter because he was older than me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Michael was one year ahead of me, I believe, and David was one year behind. And so I had some classes with David uh, in theater. The DeLuises. Mm-hmm. Did you just walk up to them and slap him in the face like Burt Reynolds would do to their father? <laughs> <laughs> I, ne- I never did that. Never did that. Uh, I, I never understand. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, go ahead. You also want to say? No, no, no. Well, no, uh, no. Ella, Garen, you go ahead. <laughs> oh, I, I was just going to say that Gelson's has the best macaroni and cheese I've ever had. Oh. Thank you, Garen. We've stopped talking about Gelson's 45 minutes ago. <laughs> you know what I had in the hopper? I just, just <laughs> I, 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 listen. You know what? You got something to add a conversation. Uh, you know, I uh, here's the thing. Since you brought Gelson's back up, and anything to stop Elliot from talking, um, that's unfair. Um, the uh, when I first moved to the valley, Gelson's was right near my house, and I didn't know any better. I just thought that was my local. Right. And all of a sudden, it's like, why the hell is why are groceries costing me more than rent? What is happening? And, I, and then I would like I would say that to like my mom and dad. They go, "Well, Los Angeles is probably more expensive than Chicago." And then Dummy figured out, well, "Go to Ralph's. How about that? Yeah. Go. You know what? Go Safe left. Way. Go left on Riverside or uh, or any whatever, direction. There's direction. probably four Ralphs like surrounding yeah. that one Gelson's." Might have been a Albertsons at the time, maybe a sure. Hughes. Oh yeah, Hughes. I remember Hughes. That was a good. Uh, that was a good grocery yeah. store. Hey, Elliot, is that bothering you? There's no way nope, for me to. Fix nobody that. can see it. All right. Only, uh, only you and I. I will uh, say this because we can't let the Deloise conversation drop. Uh, no, no, I don't want you to. I thought Peter Deloise when I was a kid. I loved Twenty One Jump Street, and mm-hmm. I thought he was great on that show. He was great on that, and he's a he's an excellent director. Oh, really? Uh, as far as as far as my, I mean, I don't know him personally in that way, but um, but he's he did a lot of Stargate episodes and he's hmm. done some other sci-fi stuff, mm-hmm. so he's very good. I uh, uh, I want to say that Andrew Koenig was friends with one of the Deloise kids. I want to say uh, plausible. Say that they were buddies. Maybe the, maybe they met on Twenty One Jump Street. I don't know. 
Um, oh yeah, like, Andrew was on Peter. one episode of that. I th- was he on one, or did he recur for like a little arc? I don't know. I know that he had to go up to Vancouver for a while to shoot up there. Hmm. Um, so, but I don't. I don't remember how many episodes. Garen, look that up. Maybe you can look that up on the IMDb, the International. Nope, the Internet Movie Database. I'm sure it goes international. You could use that across the countries, uh, various yeah. countries. Well, oh, while he's looking that up, I will say that uh, I also have another connection with 21 Jump Street in that uh, uh, Sal Jenko was, I believe, the janitor on 21 Jump Street. He you mean like came... behind the scenes, like the guy that worked at the studio? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. He was the, he was the janitor character. Mm-hmm. And, um, and uh, he became an interior decorator. And I had I, I hooked up with him on Craigslist of all places, and uh, and he did the uh, he he redid the interior of my condo when I was in Santa Monica, and I became friends with him then. <clears throat> so I'll mention that. I guess. So you so Nothing. you so you you you, you met a man who, who I met a man who, uh, who I guess the, once. the interesting uh, no I I could email him right now if I want. I'll, I'll take a look. I'll take oh. on, guys. Hell, you can email him right now. Let's get him on. I'm going to take like the 25% of the blame because I asked him, did he go? Did he have any celebrity classmates yeah. or children? But somehow Elliot turns the simple thing of, did you go to school with any famous people's kids into, I know the janitor from 21 Jump Street because he decorated my apartment. Now, all right, that, that said, does, do we know Cell from anything else? For Because I was a guy, I never watched 21 Jump Street. I didn't I, see the I'm first sure 20. I did some other <laughs> acting, but I first think 20. that was his biggest, I think that was his biggest thing, honestly. Uh-huh. I'm looking uh, right now. Uh, Andrew was on one episode of 21 Jump Street. All right. Thank you for that. Sal Jenko? Yeah. Sal Jenko, uh, who I understand now is like an interior designer. Yeah. And he does does hotels and stuff. Don't give a shit. Oh, my God. Hotels. He was in Donnie Brasco. He was living out loud. Oh, I didn't know that. He's going to be Yeah, he's done. He's got one. He was on the Wonder Years. He played Sal. (laughs) You know what? (laughs) I apologize then, uh, Elliot. Uh, This is a uh, a terrific story. It sounds like you got a connection to uh, fame here. I do have another story, although it may, my recollection of it is a little bit fuzzy. Is it below, above or below janitor from 21 Jump Street? This is better than all the other stories I've told with regards to Palisades or Gelson's. This is better than Seljanko? (laughs) It's better than Seljanko. So um, I can't remember his first name off the top of my head, but... As I recall, oh, not a good start. I, yeah, but here's the thing: it's Robert Goulet's son. Oh, I'm in. All right. Uh, I don't remember him going to Palisades. This is the part where it's confusing because I, th- well, I want to say it was like maybe as I was transitioning to go to UCLA. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, I I wasn't going to go to, and I didn't go to um, to my prom. Right? No interest. No no girlfriend. Uh, did, was spent all the money for what reason? I was talking with him in Gelson's. And he offered to hire a professional lady. He offered to pay for me to have a professional lady be my date for, so that I would go to prom. And I wasn't, I wasn't having any of it. Why so, was that you were, important He, he to offered to get you an escort? Yes. I, I think that's the term he used. I don't think he said prostitute. I think he said escort. Yeah. Do you have any sense of why he cared enough that you went to prom that he would do that? Um, I mean, he was a nice fella, and he also, um, I, I feel like he liked to feel like he was doing stuff for people. Like, that, that was how he defined himself. Hmm. But was he, he a pimp? No. <laughs> I mean, you know, in retrospect, I can't answer that question, because maybe he was, and I just didn't know. He did have very large glasses, if that oh, helps that, you. Oh, but then there's no questions. <laughs> we, we all know Not that. Not glasses, though. Glass. Well, I guess they were a little tinted. Swifty Lazar and Sally Jesse were the two of the biggest uh, pimps in the world. So That's right. uh, that makes Christopher sense. Christopher and Michael are his kids, or sons. 
The Goulets? Yeah. It would be Christopher. Christopher Goulet. Yeah. Who you're now calling out publicly as a pimp. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know for sure. Christopher Goulet, high school pimp. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, that's great. And so you, yeah. did, you did not take him up on it, though. No, I didn't. It, it made me feel very uncomfortable. Yeah, the whole idea it of it, it was so. What? But here's the thing: is that I lived in a in a rich neighborhood where we were the we were, we were fine. Like my dad, I'm sure, was making six figures, but everybody else was, you know, millionaires. Mm-hmm. And so, so to them, like, why wouldn't you even go to prom just because you have the money? I'm like, I you have a Mercedes, I've got no car. What do you, what what are we talking about here? So you. But but but, but uh, 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 Pimp Goulet, his he's under the impression that you couldn't get a date. Oh, he he was right about that. Yeah, that was oh that was God. that was clear. That was already clear at the top of the story. Yeah, yeah. No, Elliot, no, Elliot, I, Elliot made a nice sadness sandwich about the three reasons he didn't want to go to prom. No I, interest. I, didn't have a girlfriend. Didn't want to spend the money. Why do it? Right yeah. in the middle. The meat of that sandwich is no <laughs> yeah. girlfriend. No, uh, I didn't have a real girlfriend until college. So. There you go. And by that, you mean one that you didn't have to blow up? Is that what you're Wait doing? a minute. I set myself up for that. Yeah, you did. So <laughs> and, you, I, I, and, I, and I grabbed that low-hanging fruit. More than happy to do it. I was just concerned that he was like trying to, like, it was the 80s. And in an 80s movie, that would be the setup to a prank. And then you would be made oh. to look the fool that you had I mean, here's the thing. I, I hear what you're saying. But uh, my relationship with him was not... I mean, we hung out from time to time. There was a reason why we were having this conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that Matt's serious that he was setting you up to be the fool. I believe that well, he's just adding given for where fun, I lived fun, for fun for the conversation. Sure, sure. But given where I lived, yes, and the people that I hung out with, there were some people who might do something like that. But you don't think the Goulets were part of that kind of no. prank play? Not no. pimp Goulet. I'm gonna not, have not, to... not, not at me. All right, hang on. You guys keep talking. I'm gonna have to close this window. There's uh, somebody decided to uh, build a birdhouse or something. <laughs> hang on. A build a build a birdhouse to your soul. Is that what it was? <laughs> All right, I'm gonna look. look I, up I would say I that um, Pimp Goulet is a is a great. Uh, Jimmy should hear this, but I'll, I'll repeat it for him later. Pimp Goulet would be a great fantasy baseball name. Oh yeah. Uh, like in fact, I might me, start uh, playing fantasy baseball just to use that because that's how much I like it. Let me add it to the list. All right, thank you. Appreciate that story it. seriously sounds like an '80s teen comedy. It doesn't it? Don't, don't you see Patrick Dempsey in the middle of this? <laughs> Right. <laughs> All right. So here's what I can say to you. I'm looking now Corys. at a picture of Christopher Goulet, and it's yes. definitely the person who I'm thinking of. All right. What's what's Chris up to these days? Do you think he's still working the streets? <laughs> still pimping. <laughs> I think he's ahead of the players' ball now. I just, I just typed "pimp Goulet" into IMDb. <laughs> what's it say? Anything come up? No. <laughs> well, let's write will, that movie. I will say this. He doesn't uh, have gonna, Instagram. I don't know how yeah. I'm gonna how I'm gonna send this to you. Just uh, but, um, there's a picture of Chris with his mom and his brother. Where'd it go? Where'd it go? Oh no! Oh, there it is. And uh, and damn if that isn't the glasses that I'm thinking of. Can you screen share it, or is that going to ruin the video? Nah, I don't want to screen share it. But let's do let's do this. You just texting it? I'm just uh, curious. Well, while while he looks that up, can you guys hear that banging? Is that uh, not at all? You can't hear, hear it. Anything. Okay, so no. I'm not going to worry about it. Uh, is, uh, I will say I just saw Robert Goulet on a, an old episode of Family Feud. I went down the, the YouTube oh, rabbit hole of old Family Feud celebrity edition episodes. And uh, mm-hmm. it's always, like, that's one where I was like, that's borderline. I know he's not like a huge star, but uh, he's more famous than the average person you would see going back to look at those. You know, he's not uh, 
uh, Cheryl Lee Ralph or something. Right. Uh, there, there's a lot of people who are like, I barely remember this name, let alone well, know you, what they're You are for. much younger than me. I will tell you that Robert Goulet was a huge name. No, no, that's what I'm saying. Uh, he's, yeah. He seems too famous to have been doing oh, Family Feud. I, I misunderstood your point. Yes. Um, maybe he was friends with Dawson. Is that possible? Was think, it, could he have I been a friend? They, they, they indicated, and I, I had to take them at their word, that there was an actual friendship between them. It would because I'm with you in that I, I don't see somebody at Goulet's level, you know, going, yes, I'll play your parlor game. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. It's really crazy. Um, did I ever tell you about the time? And this is not a story, by the way, but that when I was working Vegas, Goulet was working the Flamingo and I tried my damnedest to get to meet uh, Goulet. Uh, it didn't happen. And then I once I asked a uh, the greeter at the at the Flamingo. She had a button on that said, you know, Goulet, Goulet tonight. And then in the middle of it was a picture of Robert Goulet, like a pin, you know, like a, like a campaign sort of pin. Yeah. And I was like, I must have that pin. I must have <laughs> that Goulet tonight pin. Uh-huh. And not a single Flamingo employee would give one to me. <laughs> like I couldn't get, when I offered to pay for one, I, I was like, please, I must have, I am Robert Goulet's biggest fan. I must have the pin. And, and they would, uh, they would not give me the pin. I could not meet Robert Goulet. I forget who I was, maybe it was Judy Gold. I forget who I was working with, but, uh, and right. Yeah. I think it was Judy Gold and David Feldman. I think the three of us were working and, uh, and I'm not kidding around every day. I would go over to the Flamingo and, and ask if I could get backstage to meet, uh, Robert Goulet. It seems no. like such a simple task to find one person willing to part with that button. Now I'm sure they were told, you, this is part of your job. Keep the button on. It's promoting the show. But there's got to be one guy in the whole establishment who's just like, yeah, I'll take 20 bucks for this pin. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Here's what you take. And then walk into the employee break room and grab one from the box of 3000. Yeah, exactly. Like, right? Yeah. Like, how is, the, how is this even a, a more than one request? Right. Hey, can I buy that pin off you? No. Or, it's hey, can crazy. I buy that? You got it. Yeah. Done. Right. They should have been selling them in the gift shop, honestly. Oh shit! I didn't think about that. I never thought I'd go to the gift shop. <laughs> <laughs> it, it didn't. It didn't occur to you. You know to what? Say, why don't you go to the gift shop, asshole? They said, "Why don't you go to the Why don't you go to the Goulet gift shop?" And it never. I never. I never followed up on that. You thought that was there a was euphemism? This, uh, yeah, I just assumed that they were saying something different. Uh, but uh, uh, I like. I always liked Robert Goulet. You know, he was one of those guys that I liked. You know that uh, I didn't. Uh, I don't know what I liked about him, honestly. But I would like see him. He'd be one of those guys like Steve Lawrence and Edie Gourmet that they'd pop up on the Jerry Lewis telethon at two a.m. Chicago time, or and I would just be like, you know, they'd entertained me. They entertained yeah. me. Yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't. Uh, to this day, I still don't one hundred percent understand what he what he did. I know he he sang, but he was a singer. But he was just a singer. Didn't he also yeah. act? His his bread and butter was oh, okay. He was singing. Just, he was just a singer. Okay. He was a crooner. Yeah. He was. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't, don't know, know why I thought he had been like a singer who acted and then sort of became better known for acting or something. I want to say he was also maybe a good storyteller on Carson. Like he was mm-hmm. a raconteur. Maybe yeah, yeah. I don't know. Hmm. I just always remember just being like, in my opinion, Robert Goulet. Again, growing up where I grew up, south suburbs of Chicago, not a lot of money. Robert Goulet was Beverly Hills to me. Like yeah, everything yeah, yeah. about him was Beverly Hills. And it's like, that's that's famous. That's a that's a star. Well, turns out you were wrong. He was Palisades all the way. I didn't know that. <laughs> and had I known, I would have uh, never asked for that goddamn pin. I'll tell you that. I'm not, walk away with, <laughs> not walking around with the triple P, the Pacific Palisades pin. Mm-hmm. I don't know that. I believe our friend Conan O'Brien, by the way, though, lives in the Palisades, if I'm not mistaken. It's nice seems, area. It seems like the ultimate rich person place to live because it's like, uh, fancy, great, beautiful, big houses, but then it's also like uh, on a 
like a cliff over the ocean like you're not yeah. at the beach you're above the beach it's right pretty dramatic well, not only that, cool. but there's there's also plenty of little like side streets and stuff where you wouldn't know where somebody was living and then yeah. there's also the palisades highlands which is like the palisades of the palisades where oh. the really really big houses were i've never even heard of that see that's yeah. what i mean it's like people don't really know about the palisades there's like certain things that everybody everybody knows Bel Air, everybody knows Beverly Hills, but there's like rich pockets in L.A. that you're like, what? Like like Hancock Park, I think people here know it, but uh, across the country, people aren't aware of like what that is, or or like Toluca Lake. I've been riding my bike around Toluca Lake. That play, I mean, the the Bob Hope House takes up a, a city block. There's like a three hole golf course in the backyard. It's insane. Right. So well, remember crazy. going to Mark Cherry's house and like, yes. when we pulled down that street, it was like, that was a street I didn't know existed. Right. And, and you pull into it and it's like, oh, these, this literally looks like, like, like mansions you'd see in a movie and go, who lives there? Like yeah. that banana. It's like, it's like a pocket of Bel Air in the Valley, basically. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and your point about Hancock Park, there's also like where Phil Rosenthal lives in that behind that gate, in that gated community there mm-hmm. where it's like, you go inside there. That's a whole different world too. Like mm-hmm. it's you know, like literally right right down Wilshire, there's a Burger King that's falling apart. <laughs> and then a one minute walk, you're behind gates in the this crazy mansions that yeah. you, like to your point, you wouldn't know we're there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's interesting because uh, like I was just at a boredom after riding around Toluca Lake. I was reading a little bit about the history of Toluca Lake. I don't I think I mentioned on other episodes of, of Never Not Funny that I'm sort of obsessed with the actual lake of Toluca Lake because uh, there is an actual lake, but you cannot access it. It's not publicly accessible. It's surrounded by private houses and the Riverside Golf Course. No, what's it called? Not Riverside. Um, it's the Golf Club. Yeah. Uh, right? uh, the, uh, lakeside? Lakeside, yeah. That's lakeside a, Richard Kind, I believe. Is yeah, it. yeah. So like, e- either you belong to that golf club or you own one of these $5 million houses. That's the only way you can touch that lake. And uh, that infuriates me as a human being. I, I feel like, how can there be a fucking lake right here and I'm not allowed to go to it? I can't even see it. And so I just started like reading about it and stuff. And uh, it's it's fascinating. There's on one little dead end street, there's a house that Frank Sinatra lived in in the 40s. And now it's, I don't even know if it's, I don't know what it is now. It's still there. I don't know if you can live in it or if it's just, oh, but there's a plaque on it now that's like, it's like the Sinatra house and it's where Nancy Sinatra grew up. And there's this story about how one fourth of July, he just, uh, all the residents in the, around the lake were like having a fourth of July party. And he just put a bunch of fireworks on a raft and then like took the raft out to the middle of the lake and lit them off. And apparently it was just, it, it just exploded into a flame ball and there was just smoke everywhere. And everyone was like, oh my God, what happened to Frank? And then like, he just kind of <laughs> waded out from the smoke and he was like, I am okay. I got it. <laughs> and everyone was like, I'm sure they just cheered. Yay, Frank. But it was like, <laughs> just, just crazy stories like that. It's it, that you would never think that that was happening in that part of Los Angeles because it's not a famous area it's not a, it's not the it's not the beverly hills or bel-air type area of the city it's just this weird little pocket uh where uh, for a little period of time a bunch of famous people lived uh i, I just like the idea of frank out there in his suit <laughs> <laughs> Going you know, down a raft. he's got yeah. the fedora on as well we're gonna blow some stuff up honey <laughs> Yeah, we got the M80s. We got the, uh, the the cats. What are those called? I don't know the. Uh, don't know. What, uh, what are the, uh, the, the firecracker? Yeah, uh, no, it's not cat. Uh, 
ah, darn it. They're they're like a little like it's like a little firecracker, but it's got the word cat in it. Like what's the things that Alfred Molina was lighting off in uh, Boogie Nights? I thought those I thought those were M80s. Were they M80s? No, M80s. Or maybe just regular firecracker. Well, he had the string of just the regular firecrackers. Yeah, but those I think that that there was growing up. Those had a name. Hmm. Um, at least the place that, that, that people around my house that would buy fireworks would get them like the yeah. something cats. Cause there was a picture like a, one of those like hello kid, like a mean looking hello kitty, <laughs> you know, on the uh, package of them. Okay. Karen, you got uh, anything? Uh, I'm trying to find it. Karen, were you looking, were you looking something up as well after, uh, uh Andrew on, uh, 21 jump street? Uh, oh, Joe. Oh, just it? Sal. Yeah. He, he was on one it. episode of. Tomorrow Jump Street, which I did I tell you guys that? Yeah. Sal? No. Andrew. Andrew. Yeah. He was also on Deep Space Nine, which I did not know. Andrew was? Yeah. yeah I did I'm not sure know I knew that either. That. Yeah. Yeah. Black Cat, by the way, is a is a is a firecracker. There it is. Yeah, Black Cat. So uh, and I believe then uh, Janet Jackson uh, of course uh, named her whole tour after that. That's uh, right. the firecracker. It, she's a firecracker. That's right. Black well, cat. She's on the label. Better watch your step or you're gonna die. Now, I learned this today, Matt, listening to that Winds of Change podcast about Burbank yeah. that I found interesting that uh, oh, yeah. you are allowed to, uh, you could keep a horse in your backyard if you wanted to. Yeah. And then also that the street to press the button to go across the street are a little higher because you might be sitting on a horse. Yeah, there's a, the, one of the one of the streets that I ride my bike on, uh, it's actually also Riverside, just if you keep going on Riverside into the Rancho, uh, you'll see that. You'll see... Um, You'll see at the corners, there's like a human height uh, button for the crosswalk and then a horse height one. <laughs> and uh, I actually wanted to find the perfect, I don't know if it exists, but I was, I wanted to take a picture of, because there's also a horse lane. Uh, so there's a bike lane in, in one spot in Burbank, there's a bike lane and a horse lane. And I, I, I feel like that's probably the only place in America where there's both of those things exist next to each other. Right. It just seems so random and weird. Um, but yeah, we when we were looking at houses, we looked at a house that had a stable in, uh, instead of a garage. It basically, it was like, uh, and I was like, could I turn this into a home office? It had cement floor, um, like most stables do. And uh, I was like, I don't, I don't know. I don't want to do any of the work on this. <laughs> <laughs> right. If, it, if they had done that for you. Yeah. Yes. If they had been but, like, uh, oh, and uh, yeah, we're actually putting, we're about to put in a wood floor here so that it's not, you know, for animals. Uh, but it was also, it was not a, it was a small house, but yeah, that's, it's funny. I think I always thought it was just that neighborhood where you were allowed to have horses, not the whole city, but it, maybe it's the whole city. I don't know. But the, a lot of those houses down there, uh, like where Richter used to live, um, or maybe he still lives there. I don't know, but uh, they all—a lot of them—have little uh, stables in the back. And uh, another house we looked at had a ring, like a, an actual like riding ring in the backyard. Really? Yeah. And I was like, "That's horrible. Like, <laughs> that's the last thing I want." What are you trying to take your BMX bike down there and uh, you know work on your tricks? Uh, I thought that, but it's not. It wasn't. It was a regular size yard, so it was a very very small ring. It was not. It would not have been exciting for. I guess it was just for the horses to get exercise. I don't know. Would it be when you say very small yard? Like so, uh, like the size so, of my yard, or smaller with, even. So like, the, did it so have the, a? I'm sorry, Jimmy. Go ahead. No, no, Karen. I was going to ask if it had a 
there's a contraption that they have on horse farms where in they the middle for training. Attack, yeah, like yeah, for yeah. training, they just let them walk in a I, circle. I think it did. Yeah, I think it did have that a lead line or whatever. Well, if you don't have a horse, yeah. why don't you just uh, connect yourself to that and walk around in that circle? That'll get your uh, your steps in. I know you're always worried about that. That's you know, <laughs> if I had back then, if I had had my Apple Watch and I was this obsessed with uh, getting all my rings, I probably would have been like, you know what, that's a good. <laughs> that that place also had um speaking of la grocery stores the the, pav- the pavilions on alameda was like right behind it so uh, it kind of weirded me out and want to be right next to pavilions like that you don't like being that close to grocery stores no nah, I, I need i need at least a thousand feet from a grocery store you know or else i'm just going to be eating all of the pastries that they have inside that's, so that's not a legal requirement that the court has uh, enforced no no the, no grocery stores did not take out a restraining order against me <laughs> <laughs> Uh, although you know, after the after the contract. number of donuts I ate yesterday for Father's Day, maybe they oh. should. Um, uh, speaking of Father's Day, we also uh, no. I, I, I'll, I apologize. I lost my train of thought. The um, uh, we thought this. I thought the same thing, Matt. When we moved, when our, when we share the alley with Cantor's Deli, mm-hmm. it was like, oh, this is trouble. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have a corned beef sandwich every single day. Oh no, this is trouble. And then you share an alley with a place for two days. You don't want it. Yeah, not done. Yep just done didn't uh, i've never i've not eaten there since i don't think i ate there uh, danielle and i moved in there in 2000 i ate there a lot prior to 2000 maybe one time since yeah. two, in 22 years 21 years 20 years what year is this 2020 2020 20 years math, math couldn't have been easier <laughs> hindsight division uh yeah that's true i don't eat at the either of the two places the the nearest two places to me are my like least favorite places to eat <laughs> the kind of also because they they're I, even if i didn't live near them i think i'd be like yeah this isn't that good but um yeah you know we uh, the, the the we have a subway near us which we certainly take advantage of although we oddly enough we have not really during the, the during the covid but uh the other one's a carl's jr and a taco bell and uh we never hit those. Like hey, very rarely do we go to the Taco Bell. Very, I mean, and I mean once a year. Let me ask you guys a question. I was watching a soccer game yesterday, and I saw an ad for a restaurant that I. It's like a fast food place that I've never heard of before, but they were advertising it as if it's like, you know, this place, like as if it's like a regular like McDonald's type place that everyone knows about, and I'd never heard of it. Do you, do you guys know? I think it's called Farmer Boys. Dude, I have seen that. I, I've driven back. There was one on Vine for a little while. I went in there. It was pretty good. And then I was like, oh, I'll go there again. Like I, I was killing time once before. Oh, I'll go get lunch at that place again. And it was gone. Huh. And then oh, wow. like you, I've been seeing and hearing on Sirius XM commercials as if they're on every corner. What's like, going on? Are they suddenly expanding? Are they taking I, over the world? Well, I know there's one on like Alameda near downtown that I see when I go to the freeway. Yeah. Um, but I don't know of any like in my neighborhood or there's certainly not in any in your, in your neighborhood. Well, Elise looked outside. it up and she was like, oh, there's a lot in the suburbs. It's just like every other chain. There's like probably 50 in Rancho Cucamonga. But, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but then there is one in Hollywood now. Uh, well, uh, again, there was one in Hollywood on Vine, but it's gone. Uh, but maybe they hmm. maybe they move locations. The place on Vine was that one. It's that place. Vine, uh, Suns, uh, Santa Monica and Vine, just a little bit south of santa monica on vine where it's been four thousand restaurants in the years that i've lived here and nothing survives hmm. so and farmer boys was another one of those that gave it a try <laughs> there's one in chatsworth well maybe you and your buddy should take i know you like to go to duarte to get a hot dog maybe you go to farmer boy get yourself <laughs> yeah, a go get farmer sandwich. boy like what is, what was it jimmy was it better than like where did it fall on the chart of like 
I think it's one of those where it fools you into thinking it's better. Uh, where you think it is because it just feels like it's not fast food. Yeah. Uh, but I, I was it hamburgers? Is that what it is? Yeah. Yeah. If, uh, to, to me, my impression, I haven't been in there, but my impression was it's kind of like a five guys. That's yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. what I was wondering. Is it more like that or is it more like Carl's Jr. Gross? Oh, it's more like fi- it's more like five guys. Okay. It's more like that where, you know, again, you think it's a step up. Yeah. And and maybe it maybe it's a maybe it's a half step. Right. Like it's not uh, actually better, but it's sort of has something about it that's tr- making an effort to seem better. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't have a drive through as you, you think it is. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, although maybe they have a drive-thru maybe if that one had a drive-thru on Vine it'd still be open today maybe that was the problem people didn't like parking I would love to know the secret story of why they're suddenly advertising on national broadcasts though that's it's like to have never it's always odd to me when you've never heard of a thing and then suddenly there's ads for it yeah, um, yeah they're only in Vegas and here so that's huh. weird that is that uh, Hollywood Boulevard 5519 Hollywood Boulevard yeah that's so the one Elise was talking about Where's 5519? Yeah, it's like down by Western. So they moved it that way, huh? <laughs> I don't know if it's the same. <laughs> Do you think they picked up from Santa Monica? I'd like and- to think those guys still gave it a try. Like, hey, you know what? This location didn't work. Let's move uh, mm-hmm. uh, somewhere else. Yeah. There's also there's a chicken uh, chain in this town too that uh, that I've that like has one location, but they advertise like it's. Is it uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken? Yeah, they're like a, they've been imported from. Uh, the, I, let, me, let me guess. Uh, is it is it Jollibee? No, I don't know Jollibee. Oh, Jollibee's a Philippine chain, I think. And there's one on. Wilshire. Oh. What's that again? The one I'm thinking about is on Wilshire. You know, no, but, but east, like like in but like in Koreatown. So I I do think it's an Asian chicken chain, but I I can't pull the name. Hmm. Uh, but is I drove there once. Chicken LA. What is it? Is it barbecue chicken LA? I don't think it is. No. Dave's hot chicken. Uh, no, it's not Dave. <laughs> Kyochan chicken. That's it. I'll just say yes to end the list. <laughs> uh, all right, let's take a break. Our guest is here. Kevin Cronin is joining us uh, from REO Speedwagon. He's got a, a new web series called uh, Songs and Stories from Camp Cronin. We'll talk to him about that, uh, and we'll do all of that uh, trivia, of course, at some point. Uh, Oliver's got a, a hot question. And, uh, oh, I got to cover this very quickly. Our friend, uh, Ted Sullivan, also a friend of uh, CeCe Pleasance, uh, their friend, uh, uh, Kirk uh, Blocker, passed away unexpectedly. Uh, and they have a GoFundMe uh, set up for him uh, to help the family. And I, 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 by all accounts from CeCe and Ted, this is one of the nicest human beings in the world. Uh, and uh, so his family is uh, struggling, of course, because it was a shock. So uh, just a search, if you would, go to a GoFundMe. Kirk C. Blocker is the... Uh, not Kirk, Keith. I'm so sorry. Keith C. Blocker. Um, uh, so go and check that out uh, uh, on behalf of our friend Ted and Cece. Uh, they lost a friend of theirs. So uh, that person's looking, uh, uh, they've set up a GoFundMe. So uh, yeah, if you, I, uh, Ted uh, we emailed. And so I, I looked at his Instagram post about uh, Keith and it was just a really, really touching post. If you want to just go to Ted's uh Look for Ted on Instagram and find his post about uh, his best friend. It's really touching. Them. Yeah. They went to film school together. I 100% agree with you, Matt. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it was really it was nice to read. And uh, so do that. And uh, and then from there, you can find the GoFundMe, I'm sure. Uh, you're right. Uh, I'm sure CeCe's got something as well on social media about it. Uh, all right, Kevin Cronin coming up right after the break. Uh, we'll be back. Episode 2617 right after this. 
Uh, listen, this is you. You know this. Uh, Belknap and and Hochberg and myself. We love the Factor meals. In fact, Garen Cockrell's gotten on board with the Factor recently. Yeah, he's into it. I we, mean, who wouldn't like it? And once you try it, you go, "Hey, this is good stuff." Once you Factor, you can't go back there. Yeah, it's like that old Yo Gabba Gabba song. Try it, you'll like it. I never was on board with Yo Gabba Gabba. <laughs> And nothing has changed as I've gotten older. Yeah, in the, in the imagine, sixteen years since I've watched it, I've not gotten on board. I imagine it do, doesn't age well. It was very of the moment and very. I think it was hipster. very of the pre me. Like I think it was hipster even prior to me. What? Like before I had a kid. It, it, oh yeah, it, it sure. was prior to Oliver's. Where I don't. I don't know if it's even still around. I hope not. We don't have time to talk about it. <laughs> what's no, going on? With we're here together. to talk about Factor. Yeah. Although you know what. Pop a factor into the microwave. Two minutes later, this baby's ready. Uh, you sit down, watch some Yo Gabba Gabba. <laughs> sure. Enjoy your factor. Yeah. Right? Get in there. Get the wiggles out. That's somebody else, right? No, that, oh, no that's get them. Get your sillies out. Get your sillies out. Yeah. Wiggles are another kid's thing. Yeah. And those guys, I got no, I got no truck with those guys. Good. Uh, they've got over 35 different meals, more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. Various different, you know, look, if you want chicken, they got chicken. You want a beef thing, they got beef thing. You want to bump up to a to a gourmet meal, they got mm-hmm. filet mignon. Mm-hmm. They've got, uh, they, they had lobster the other day. Oh, my God. Yeah, they got all this, all I sorts of things over that. there. They got delicious things over there. Head to factormeals.com slash pardo50. Use code pardo50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That is code pardo50 at factormeals.com slash pardo50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Factor, good food, fast. Hey, whether you have a small business or a big business, we know that uh, finding the right crew to surround yourself with is not easy to do. Well, here's a way to make that a little bit easier for you. Thank you to our friends, Zip Recruiter. Zip, zip. ZipRecruiter.com slash Pardo is the way to try ZipRecruiter right now for free. Just head over there. You know what? Even if you're not hiring, go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Pardo. Check it out. It doesn't cost you anything. Just take a look at that. Just Yeah, if you always had an idea of like, I, you know, I could I could start a small business, mm-hmm. maybe hire a couple of people, we could, you know, get this thing off the ground, get, so let's, let's make some widgets. Just go on there and see how easy it would be to hire the people you would need. What do you need? Like a an accountant? Mm-hmm. Uh, I do. You need a personal assistant? I do. You need a... I, well, I don't know, like a graphic designer, maybe. I do. Okay. Well, wait, are you are you starting a business? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, what is it? I should tell you that. I, by the way, I have all three of those things. Yes. I said I do two, three things. I actually do not need at the moment. <laughs> uh, but I am starting a business. I am selling bike chains. Oh. Strictly bike chains. Just the chain. Bikechains.com. Huh. It's my business. Are you manufacturing them yourself? I've got a team. Oh. Good team of folks. Where'd you uh, find those people? ZipRecruiter.com. Uh, yeah, you went on. You've said, "Look, I'm looking for me- yeah. metal, metal. What are the? What's that called? A metal worker? Um, Someone who ZipRecruiter knows how to find the people they that forge. For. They forge the the pieces that you then mm-hmm. put together into a chain. I got a, a nice group of kids out in the garage making these things. Okay, good uh, luck. Good, good luck to you. And uh, by the way, if there is such a thing as BikeChain.com, uh, I don't own that. <laughs> so don't don't write the owner of that. That's your competitor. Thinking that it's me. What did I say? No, no, I don't know. I'm just saying in real life, that's your competitor. Uh, yes. So do not go there. Don't, don't support him. Do not go there. And do not send that person emails uh, <laughs> thinking that you're writing me and having fun. Uh, I don't even know if it's a real thing. Uh, it b- probably is. But it probably is. And you know what? I think i got to get into the bike chain game. Yeah, you do. Uh, the way to do that is through ZipRecruiter. If you're hiring, ZipRecruiter is the way to do it. Once again, go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Pardo right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the program, episode 2617 of Never Not Funny. Uh, we are joined, a uh, gentleman, he's taking time away from, he's got a brand new web series called uh, Songs and Stories from Camp Cronin, uh, which I find to be amazingly charming and fun. 
Uh, as I've said a million times uh, when this COVID thing hit us, this pandemic, and celebrities felt the need to start creating content, uh, we don't need to do that. There's plenty of content out there. But here comes Kevin Cronin, who uh, came up with an idea to do songs and stories from his house. And I don't know if it's his inability to work the technology or <laughs> what it is, but I find these things to be so charmingly entertaining. And uh, so he's taking time away from that. Please welcome. Hello, Kevin. How are you? Kevin Cronin, everybody. Nice to meet you, Jimmy. Thank you. You know, um, I'd like to uh, take credit for having come up with this uh, creative idea. But the truth is that this uh, room that I'm in is actually a kind of a separate uh, structure, in, like out in the back of the backyard. And my sons have a rock band. So they kind of co-opted this as their rehearsal studio clubhouse. It was just there was musical equipment from wall to wall. And when the when the pandemic hit, my wife and I'm home, my wife said, you got to clean up. We call it the pool house. You got to clean up the pool house. It's a mess out there. I'm like, really? So, you know, my boys and I, my twin boys, we came out, we cleaned the place up. I looked around and went, whoa, this is cool. So I got a little table here. I'm right, working on my book. I set up my little thing here for the Camp Cronin stories and, uh, you know, trying to make the best of this uh, craziness. Well, I, again, I think you're doing I, I love that. I like I love the program. I think you're doing a great job. I am a little upset that uh, you're sitting in what I would call a mansion and you call it your pool house. Uh, <laughs> that is the nicest effing looking pool house in the world. What are you talking about your pool house? You. All right. Well, no. All right. My wife, my wife, actually, th th this was a compromise. My wife has always wanted to have a beach house. And my thing is one house is plenty it's like there's enough headaches involved with one house do i need double the headaches and right. another house i'm like if you want to go down to the beach there's a, some nice hotels there and you can spend a couple of days pay the the bill and you know the plumbing if the plumbing goes out you just call room service you know what I mean? right. so so instead she kind of built herself a she shack it's like all right is that what they call it a she shack and so. uh yeah, but the boys just took over and they took it over. never. Yeah, so this is our territory. We're holding on to it. And if need be, there is a Murphy bed over there. And, you know, uh, at any moment, I could end up be, uh, being banned out here uh, permanently. So uh, Now, Kevin, is that named after former RSB Wagon lead singer Mike Murphy? That Murphy bed? <laughs> the Murphy, yes. The Mike Murphy memorial bed is the full name. But we just, you know. Fair, fair enough. <laughs> Uh, I just mentioned, I did. I, I failed to mention that earlier. If you don't know Kevin, and Kevin, of course, is the lead singer uh, of R.E.O. Speedwagon, uh, uh, songwriter, singer-songwriter. He's been with the band, I want to say, since 19, uh, the 60s at some point, late 60s. Uh, maybe 72? What did you join? 72. Uh, 72. 72, good, man. Um, and now, Kevin, I'm going to get this out of the way before we go any further. First of all, let me just say hello to everybody. Hello to uh, the, the Pop Culture Zippo Desk. Hello to Garen Cockrell. Hi, Garen. Hello. Uh, hey, Garen. Course, the, back there hello. at the Video Village, Elliot Hogberg. Hello, Elliot. Hello. Hello. Of course, holding on the fort at, H at HQ in Sherman Oaks, California, at our studio. That's Matt Belknap. Hello, Matt. Hello. Uh, all right. Kevin Cronin is coming to us. I imagine Southern California at some place. Southern um, California. Yeah, we're a little, uh, we're up the 101 about uh, 45 minutes from where. Are, are you guys right at the, in those studios, right at Ventura Boulevard and, uh, and uh, Sepulveda? We are farther east of that, uh, Fulton and Moore Park. Okay, gotcha. So, yeah, so I'm about 45 minutes uh, up the freeway from you. 
Where are you? Westlake? You in Agora? Where yeah. are you in that area? Westlake Village, yep. Yeah, of course, right there. Who else? You know, doesn't Rick Springfield live right down the street from you? Is he right there? Rick Springfield lives, uh, he, he lives up the up even farther. He's up in uh, about 20 or 30 minutes up the freeway from me. So he's like, he's lost. He's, you know, <laughs> we don't we don't see much of Rick. You don't see him. <laughs> well, he's, he's still looking for Jesse's girl. It should have been his, and he's uh, furious he can't get her. Uh, so, Kevin, what I was going to say is I want to get this out of the way. There's, I right. tell a story, uh, very, uh, I tell a story that I've been telling for uh, since 1999, uh, where I came to see R.O.S.B. Wagon at the Thousand Oaks Civic Center. And okay. um, I was uh, backstage. And here's the here's the thing. I woke up that morning. This is I want to say it was October 1st or maybe October 3rd, very early in October of 99. And I woke up with Bell's palsy. So if you're not aware of what that is, half your face, you lose your muscles, stop working on half your face. And I woke up with it that day. And I was like, what the shit is going on with my face? This is bizarre. So I basically was talking like this. I would talk like this. And so I, we a went lot to, of our fans do, but you know. <laughs> so yeah. so I, we do the show. Uh, I don't do the show. You did the show. We were there, right. uh, and we're backstage. And I've got my tuna uh, tuna fish album to get autographed and and say hello. And you and I have something in common, which I find fascinating, is that we both grew up in a town called Hometown Illinois. We no both kidding. were born there. And I did not know that. Okay. See, so here's what's interesting about you responding like that. Okay. You didn't respond like that then. Okay. This is. Uh, was, was there a look of fear on my face? I mean, I'm, there I was a, there was a look of disgust and, and it was like like I had literally just brought up the worst information in the world. And again, I think it's because first of all, I'm backstage at a show. You just got done performing. I know the mindset of what that's like after I do a show. So I, so excuse number one. Excuse number two is. Here's a guy with a Phantom of the Opera face. Right. He's going to say Phantom of the Opera shows up. And, yeah. Right. Okay. And going, hey, we both grew up with you in hometown. <laughs> and you and your wonderful Kevin Cronin way went, is that right? And walked away. <laughs> that was. Oh, man. Well, you know, thanks for having me on. <laughs> Good to see you. <laughs> in spite of that. Well, here's the thing. See, that was 1999. So I just moved out here and. Uh, so we decided to just kind of have a little, uh, I don't know, welcome to the neighborhood gig, you know. So, so there was a lot of uh, people who live on my block that were there who I didn't really know because we just moved in. You know, I, um, I, I try to, to uh, be um, as friendly as possible backstage. Um, sorry if I, you know. <laughs> It was, look, again, I, I take full responsibility that half of my face frightened. Uh, if you look at me from this side, you think I'm having a great time. You think I'm furious on this side. I'm pretty um, sure I normally I normally come at it from that direction. Come from the so left that, generally. I, I generally do. I, 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 yeah, I end up in the left of most things that happen. Yeah. Uh, but what I find fascinating, Kevin, is that, you, you know, obviously you are a legendary rock star. I've, I've got a decent name in comedy. Uh, but hometown, for those that don't know, is basically a one mile by one mile little town between Oaklawn, Illinois and Chicago, Illinois. And nobody is from there. So when I said to you, hey, we're both from hometown, I thought I guess I expected streamers to fall from the ceiling or something, because what are the odds of that? <laughs> yeah, hometown. You're right. Hometown is unique. There's no actual town. It's just like a bunch of two story, uh, you know, wood siding. Maybe what was it like eight 
eight families per per structure. Or well, actually, four those were those were the apartments. Uh, right. uh, uh, you, you've actually got it backwards. They were duplexes. Duplexes. Uh, they okay. were side by side, and they were each house was nine hundred square feet. Right. So it like, was not not spacious. At the, right. To, yeah. And now you know I may be a little bit older than you, but when I lived there, there was a thing called a party line on your phone. And it was not like the party lines of today. I'm sure there's a whole different, you know, it's not that kind of a party. The party line was that your phone was connected to everybody else's phone in the building. So there's eight other families or four other families all in the same building. And if you picked up the phone and one of the other apartments was having a conversation, you were there. It was like mm-hmm. a Zoom. It was, it was, it was like Zoom, but, but we were way before our time at home. <laughs> right. And, but you also couldn't make a call. So you'd have to just like wait and like, you know, kind of pick your spot. <sighs> you know, and yeah. Um, Hong Kong was, uh, it was a, yeah, it's a unique little, uh, I, I can't believe you're, that you're, uh, that you're from there. That's it's fantastic. It's, it, uh, it's still I, there too, by the way. It's it, still there. I, I went back for a class reunion. I guess it's 10 years ago now I went back and it's it's amazing how it's exactly the same. There's uh, it's it still feels like like it's this small town, even though Chicago is literally a guardrail away. But it feels like Chicago is we're going to go into the city like it, right. it had that vibe to it. Um, <laughs> it but it still has everything you're looking for. If you're looking for racism and closed mindedness, uh, right. your spot. <laughs> it's yes, absolutely. That That is the one thing that's consistent uh, in the hometown Oakland area. Area, I think since I was a kid. I mean, I, I you know, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, proud and horrified. No, I'm horrified by that. It, it's, I mean, that's one of the reasons that the minute I graduated from high school, I went to Brother Rice High School, all boys, mm-hmm. Catholic, you know, uh, prison slash high school. <laughs> the the minute I graduated, I must say, I I skedaddled. I went up to the near North Side where the all the cool. Uh, coffee houses and and folk clubs, you know, the Earl of Old Town, the Quiet Night. I used to play all those places. And uh, yeah, I I got out of Dodge pretty quick, but you know. Yeah, um, I I agree with that. I couldn't, uh, you know, I I still have friends from that area and so on and so forth. We we ended up moving down south to Oak, uh, Oak Forest. And, Forest, yes. But still, I'm with you in that I could not wait to, you know, uh, I ended up moving to Los Angeles. And yeah, uh, yeah. you know, uh, uh, it's amazing to look at Facebook and see some thoughts that people that I was very close with at one time uh, have that are different than it sounds like we would all have. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, that, w- one of my memories of growing up in the Oaklawn uh, hometown area is that I started taking guitar lessons when I was about 11 years old and uh, I would, and, and the Beatles hadn't uh, played on Ed Sullivan yet. Right. So I was playing guitar, didn't really know why I was kind of too young for the Elvis thing. But I would walk every Saturday. I would walk to my guitar lesson with my guitar case in hand, and pretty much every week, a carload of what we used to call greasers would pull up. And like I'm 12, and these guys are like 17. They would get out of their car, and just because I had a guitar case in my hand, they would think we're going to kick this kid's ass. It was, and I would literally see the car take off running like through hedges over throw my guitar over the fence climb over these guys are hot on my trail and uh but then a year later the beatles come on the ed sullivan show and suddenly right girls who used to be impressed by guys that were tough and had their hair slicked back and black leather jackets suddenly 
the Beatles came out and, and virtually stole every girlfriend in America, you know, and I just happened to be the only kid in the neighborhood that knew how to play guitar. So I go from, you know, dork numero uno <laughs> to like the coolest kid in the neighborhood overnight. And literally within a few days, those same guys who used to chase me to the wood over the fence, trying to kick my ass. Now they were like begging to get in a band with me because right. I, you know, because the girls were suddenly, you know, that's where they were. That's where they were. Did you uh, to that point, Kevin, before in high school, going to Brother Rice, which again, all of it, it, being from hometown, you either went to Oak, uh, Oak Lawn or Brother Rice or St. Lawrence. Um, right. So I had a bunch of friends who went to it. So when you were going there, uh, were you in bands in high school, uh, knocking around, doing the proms and doing parties, that sort of thing? I was I was in a band in high school. Uh, we were well, we started out being called us. U.S., which I thought was a really, this was before you too. It was like us. I thought that was such a great name. It's us, you guys and us. But, uh, but the band uh, nixed it. So I, I'm, my band was called Fuchsia. And we did one uh, memorable show at Brother Rice. They used to have battles of bands mm -hmm. where there'd be a number of bands, at least two, sometimes more. And you get a little sp ticket stub when you, when you show up for the dance. And then there's a ballot box at the end and you put your ticket stub in the ballot box of whichever band you uh, wanted to, uh, to vote for. So we had heard about this group that was kind of from uh, a little east of us. They were a couple of years older than us and they had a pretty solid reputation. They were called the TW4. And oh, we yeah. heard that they had a keyboard player who could really play and had a great voice, a guy by the name of Dennis DeYoung. And uh, so the TW4 comes into Brother Ice High School. Now, this is my story, and I'm sticking to it. Right. We, it's my high school. We play our set. You know, we're okay. The TW4 come on. They're a little older than us. They're better than us. Okay, I'll, 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 I'll give you that. But it's my high school. We lose the battle of bands. But I, but I get word that, see, the TW4 were not only better than us musically, they were also smarter than us. They brought their hot girlfriends in. And my theory is that they not only stuffed their bras, they stuffed the ballot box. Right. To this day. Okay? <laughs> You're pissed not at young to this day. Not that I hold a 48-year grudge or anything. Sounds like you might. <laughs> um that's uh you know here's a uh, uh to your point about band names i was in a band in high school uh, that ended up being called rainbow bridge um okay but uh, before that i like that rainbow uh, bridge that our guitars cool. was a big hendrix guy so we were named after a hendrix album nice. nice we um uh but for the first couple rehearsals uh we went by the jimmy pardo project um ah, okay. until i showed up at the third rehearsal and they all had a meeting behind my back going yeah, why are we named after you? Why? Why are you the? We're a band. Why are we? we nobody's on board with this. It was like yeah, I was waiting until you guys figured that out. No, that means you had the van. You had I, the van and, and the PA system. I and did the, have the PA, the PA system. Called, right? That much I had. I'll agree with that. There you go. How did I know that? Uh, I'll tell you why. Because I had little to no talent, uh, but I was the guy that had the drive to make the phone calls for the gigs and that sort of thing. Exactly. We actually, Kevin, in. Uh, in our second set of the night that we play, we would do Riding the Storm Out. That was one of the uh, songs that nice. we would do. So, uh, uh, you know, I, I'm very, I'm honored. Thank you, Jimmy. <laughs> I, we appreciate that. That's, that's cool. That's my, my pleasure. There's uh, no better compliment than another artist playing one of your songs. So, I, you know, I appreciate that. 
you're welcome. I, of course, uh, have no singing ability like you do. So I would, uh, while the band was, as I always said on the show, the band, the, these guys were amazingly talented and they, uh, the, uh, and I had the PA. That's why I was nice. the band. <laughs> nice. So, nice. Hey, whatever uh, it takes. Whatever right? it takes. I loved it. You know what? A, a, a quick side story, but based on yours is, we were also in a battle of the bands at a place called Roller Wheels, which was a roller rink on Cicero, about 147th and Cicero, I think, maybe 135th. Okay. And we were like, it was like the third round of the battle of the bands. We made it that far. And my dad, who had never seen my band, was coming to support. And by the time he got there, to your point, the ballot box for us was jammed with, with the tickets and the other band had like none. And I said to my dad, I go, hey, did you, did you vote for us? And he goes, I haven't heard you play yet. Like, <laughs> <laughs> what are you? See, now that's good parenting. I think right. that's good because, you know, you don't just give your kid a trophy because they showed up. You know, right. you want to. I like that. See, Jimmy, yeah. that made you the man you are today. It, it, well, it certainly made me mad at my dad for a couple of years. <laughs> I can tell you that. <laughs> Speaking of holding grudges. Um, <laughs> hey, speaking of which, now you mentioned your kids are are in a band. Do they do they play out locally, Kevin? Do they have recorded music that we could uh, look into? You know what? They are twenty years old. They're twins, and uh, they were like star basketball players, which which I would have. I would kill to be able to shoot a basketball the way these these guys. They got their mother's pardon me, their mother's athletic ability. Thankfully, not mine, but uh, my daughter, who's a couple years older, was a choir girl. And so when the boys got to high school, Holly was uh, a junior and she needed some boys to join the choir. So she figured if she got a couple of jocks in the choir then some other boys would follow. And, you know, she has mm-hmm. a lot of pull on, on, on Josh and Shane. They both joined the choir. They're both now in choir and basketball. Basketball, you go for three hours every day and Saturdays, 11 months out of the year, three hours a day. You're sweating your nuts off. You're just, you're exhausted. You're burnt out. Choir, you go for an hour, three times a week. All of a sudden, Shane got a solo. And he went, I, you could see the, the wheels turning in his head. Wait, I'm, the girls, I'm getting more attention from girls doing this than for all that work I'm doing to play basketball. It was like, so from then on, they decided they, you know, I did everything I could to dissuade them. And, right. Uh, but, uh, but they're great. I mean, my, you know, my son Shane has got an amazing voice. Uh, my son Josh plays bass, has a great harmony voice. And, uh, they are each a strong force in and of themselves. When they put, when they come together, they're they're uh, they're fraternal twins, so they don't look anything alike. But their skill set, their personalities, twins have a way of just kind of they just like I said, they're both forces on their own. But when together, it's like this monstrous force that they have for good. I mean, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so they're. Uh, they're working on new songs. They've written some great stuff. They've opened a few REO shows over they the have. years. Uh, they're called Sir Please. Uh, they put a demo of theirs up on uh, Spotify. And so if you want to hear their demo from about two years ago, uh, you can check that out. But uh, they've got some new music that they're working on. And uh, they got to stay in school. That was the deal. And uh, so they're both in school. And uh, so I told them when they graduate, 
they come with Ariel and open the entire tour. So really? A little, a little carrot there for the boys. <laughs> for you too. guys. And yeah. am, am I mis- Am I conflating something? Is there also a video on YouTube of your, your son playing bass with Ario as well? Did he sit in on a song or two at, at, at some show, or am I misremembering something? No, no, well, close. My, my daughter, Holly, who, uh, who works, at, uh, works for CAA right now, or the big talent agency here in L.A., she's working remotely at, from, from the house, but she's such a talented kid. I mean, she was a theater kid, choir kid, like I say. And uh, so th- there is video of her coming out uh, down at the Kaboo Festival in uh, San Diego and singing a duet with me uh, on stage. And we've done it a few times. We did it, uh, I can't think of where we did it. We did it in New York at Jones Beach. We've done it three or four times. And uh, so, yeah, Holly's got a great singing voice and uh, she's just very special girl. We, we do a thing called Holly Picks yeah. every Saturday. And it's my daughter's show. Uh, I'm her guest every week, which is, is kind of cool. And uh, and she uh, gets to pick whatever we whatever she wants to do. That's what we do. Holly Picks. So and that's and part that, of the uh, the Camp Cronin uh, web series. And once a week, she takes it over. Correct. She takes it over. And, but for her thing, we go live. So that's Saturday, sometimes at noon, You either at 10 o'clock if we wake up on time. But sometimes we do it at noon. And uh, two weeks ago, we actually spaced out and forgot about the whole thing. <laughs> both of you is, forgot. We both forgot. It, that's, you know, I know. There's a lot going on. You know, we were. We were <laughs> There's nothing we, going on. There's no, literally we were, nothing going on. No, no, no. You don't understand. There, there, Thousand Oaks has become a hotbed for, um, for, uh, for uh, pro- peaceful protest. And uh, w- w- there was a march that we did down Thousand Oaks Boulevard, uh, social distanced with right. everyone masked. But uh, this this great confluence of mostly young people. I will say uh, I was definitely in the upper demographic, but I was like, so what, you know, I'm here. I, you know, I'm with my kids. And it reminded me of when, you know, in the late sixties, early seventies, when, when I was, you know, on, you know, on campus protesting the Vietnam war, uh, et cetera. And, you know, there are just certain times in history where it's up to the young people and like thinking uh, grownups to, uh, let their voice be heard. So uh, I think that was, so that there was good cause. There was good cause. Well, then I apologize for lashing out at you, saying there was nothing. <laughs> uh, my wife and son and I actually went to, we went to a peaceful one near our house as well here. Uh, nice. Social distance, mass the whole shot. And uh, it is just, uh, to your point, it, 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 our voices need to be heard if others are not going to be heard. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, you know, I just I just saw what happened in in uh, Minneapolis and I was just like I could I literally could not believe it. I mean, similar things have happened. So, I mean, ridiculous amounts of time over the years and and each more heinous than the one before it. But I think what happened in Minneapolis was just I mean, there's there's no argument in favor of what that cop did. I'm sorry, you know, right. I, and I'm and I don't. I, I'm not the kind of person that thinks all police are evil. I think, I mean, there are the the majority of police officers. I would hope are in it for the right reasons, but there are some. You know, I looked at that thing and I thought to myself, that's one of the guys who would have jumped out of the car and chased me through the neighborhood mm. to try to kick my ass just because I played the guitar. <laughs> right. Playing the guitar, that I was being profiled. 
You know, I mean, that, that that's the beginning of it. And obviously, uh, you know, what the African-American community goes through and has been going through for years, not even a not even close, but it's the same mentality, I, I think, on the on the aggressors uh, side. Right. Just here's someone different. Here's someone who I feel like I'm superior to. So I'm going to have my way with them. It's just anyway, you know. So, it's, yeah, uh, it's sickening. It really is. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And to your point, Kevin, when you say you're protesting on the campus back uh, then, uh, I know that uh, Ario started in Champaign. Uh, did you go to U of I? I don't know. Or were you how did you end up? I, I apologize for this clunky segue. Uh, but the way that you brought it up, uh, I, I guess that's the question. Did you go to U of I? Actually, I went to school up at Loyola University oh, in, uh, on the north side, Rogers Park. Yeah. And, and uh, I, I I got into Ario Speedwagon by accident. Um, most most of the uh, success I've had in life has been accidental. So uh, I got that going for me. But um, <laughs> uh, so I met Gary Richrath, the, uh, the, the original guitar player and reason that Ario Speedwagon is on the map. I mean, it was his, he, uh, rest his soul. He, he yeah. passed away almost four years ago. Um, but man, in his prime, this dude, I mean, I, I call him a Jim Morrison with a Les Paul. I mean, this guy had, had it going on, you know, and we were managed by, um, uh, Irving Azoff, who of course has gone on to uh, rule the world, right? And uh, but he's a downstate Illinois boy. But when I joined the band, uh, students had taken to the streets in Champaign. The college deferments had been rescinded, and we put this next song that I'm going to play for you right now on our second album, and uh, it's called Golden Country. Yeah. How's it sound? Okay, is it coming through? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Golden country, your face is so red. With all of your money, you poor can be fair. You start around and you flirt with disaster. Never really caring just what comes after. Your backside dying, but your back is still turned. And your freaks are crying, but your back is still turned. You better stop your hiding, or your country will burn. Time's come to you, my friend. To all of this ugliness, we must put an end. Before we leave, we must make a stand. We must, we must make a stand. Oh. Goes on from there. It, uh... But, uh I will say this, Kevin. I, I, honest to God, I have, I, I, I don't know if the camera could pick it up. I have tears in my eyes. I'm going to tell you why. That first of all, that song is so effing meaningful. Uh, it, what, we're, what you went through back then, what we're going through today. Um, and I honestly, in my dream of dreams, I went, well, if you, if I could talk him into doing Golden Country, it'll be a success. 
So the fact that you picked it up and just did it, I'm, I it's honest to God. It's a hometown thing. It's it a must hometown be. thing, baby. You know See, what I'm saying? We could have had that back in 99 had you not dismissed me. <laughs> We're on the same wavelength. It's that right. hometown uh you know, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but uh, it, yeah. Uh, and that's a and to your point from about Gary, I think the, the, the guitar solo on live, you get what you play for on that song. Uh, Gary's guitar Insane. solo is in my top five guitar solos of all time. It is so phenomenal. Um, and that Wawa, the Wawa work uh, on that intro. Wow. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Wow. I mean, uh, a lot of the guys use a Wawa pedal. Gary was uh he was a master at that at that he was so expressive with it and yeah that's that solo for as a matter of fact for years after gary left the group um we didn't play that song and i just felt like it was there's just certain ario speedwagon songs that that we can play you know and 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 they're you know and the fans love it and it's it's awesome but there's certain songs that are just had gary's uh footprint mm-hmm. was so large in the song that i felt like we couldn't do it and uh and you you were talking about tommy shaw earlier we we did it we've done a number of tours with sticks they are our rock and roll uh best buds and we were in our third or fourth tour we, 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 it, this is going back to the to 2000 so it's mm. been five tours in 20 years which that's a, that's a lot you know you you know that the energy is good between two bands when they return and tour together again. And someone, I don't know if it was, was someone in the band. One of the guys said, you know, there's that song you guys played with the Wawa. It was from the REO TWO record. Why don't you ever play that? And I'm like, you know, so they go, no, man, you got to play that song. So I brought it in and our guitar player, Dave Amato, who's been with us now for over 30 30 years. I mean, th- those were some big shoes to fill when, when Dave took over for Gary. And, you know, you had to fill those shoes, be, uh, you know, be mindful of the amazing music that Gary made and, and contributed to ARIO over the years. But then you also got to take it somewhere and make it your own. And Dave, um, man, w- that's what we talked about when Dave first joined the band. And uh, he really... Uh, we connected on that level because, you know, he, there's certain solos, you know, the solo on can't fight this feeling, keep on loving it. You better play those. But, you know, those are people know those, they can hum right. those solos, but back on the road again, freaking take off, man. Just, you know, make that yours. And so Dave did a great job, but yeah, that, uh, yeah, Gary's guitar in that song was, and now when, when we play the song, I've been, I've been kind of, playing it acoustically lately just to because sometimes the the message of the song because of the 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 power of the ario rhythm section and the whole thing you know that's a lot you know so to really get the message across sometimes it kind of cool to just sing a song with the acoustic you know yeah i I agree and again i appreciate you playing it it is uh it is literally my favorite ario speedwagon song and has been and uh to be able to hear it uh, acoustically from you today was wonderful um so kevin you mentioned gary leaving but let's let's go back to you you joined ario you're on an album you then leave ario and you're gone for three and then you come back 
How does how does that work? How, like, how do you decide? <laughs> hey, I don't get along with these guys, and then three albums later, go. You know what? Maybe I do get along with. Them. Like, how? Do, walk me through that a little bit, if you're if you're comfortable doing so. Yeah, you know, um, I spent. You know, I, I'm going to plug my upcoming book here. I can't help it because what that question is. You know, there's a couple of big questions in the history of Ariel Speedwagon. It's like, how does that happen? How does that work? And uh, it's. I was okay. Jeez, how do I how do I put this in a in a nutshell? All right, I'll I'll make it simple. I was there was a the band requested that I leave. Oh, all right. Well, that's a different story than the internet gives <laughs> <Yeah>. us. Then, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was it was semi mutual. You know, um, you know when I when when Gary and I first met. I, I just had an acoustic guitar and you know, I played him a couple of songs on acoustic. I played him a song called Music Man, which uh, I, I'll give you a little. Sure. Want me to give you a little Music Man? Yeah, give a little taste. Because um, Gary came up to my apartment and I played um, an obscure Elton John cut called Holiday Inn on acoustic guitar for Gary. And um, then he said, you got anything? Have you written anything? I'm like, well, yeah, I'm working on this one. So... Recently, I've been thinking about what I am and where my priorities lie. Getting it together on some future plans, deciding what I need to get by. Well, I tried working and schooling, but they're just not my brand. Baby, can't you see I'll always be a music man? Well, my mama sits and worries about me for days Even though she really likes the way the boy pays My daddy tells her I'm just going through a phase But that's just what he always says When I hear what they're saying But I take it with a grain of sand Oh, yeah Baby, can't you see I'll always be a music man? Oh, yeah. Baby, can't you see I'll always be a music man? That's what I am. Baby, can't you see I'll always be a music man? Yeah. I never know what to do at the end of that. Do we <laughs> clap? Do we yeah, say thank you? I don't. Uh, it's wonderful. Yeah, um, I, you, you know, ha having played um, back in the day as a solo acoustic uh, act in uh, in the Chicago area, I, I had the um, I've been away from REO for a while. I did, you know, I had there's it's a long story. What, but finally, I decided I need to start working. I need to start being a working musician again. So I took a gig at a restaurant called the Rusty Scupper in Chicago. And uh, so I was on this little stage in the same room where people were having some drinks, having some appetizers. And uh, the first set I played there, I played some of my tunes, some covers. First set I played there, about the third or fourth song in, went something like this. I once had a girl, or should I say, she once had me. Flanagan, 
party of four. Party of four. Yeah. So that was basically my life. So I'm not. You, you know, you. I've had tumultuous applause after uh, performances. I've also had none. So I'm right. good. Yeah. Uh, either way's fine. As a stand-up, I've done many a show to three people and uh, just grateful to get through it. So uh, stand-up comedy, it. I'm sorry. There's no there's no harder gig on the planet. You got no guitar, you got no band behind you. Right? I don't know how you I mean, but but I do know this. As a front man, I get to kind of talk to the audience, you know, and every once in a while. I say once in a yeah once in a great while I actually say something that gets a laugh, and it, it's not you know I'm, I'm no comedian but you know sometimes you just say something funny, yeah. and once you get a laugh, it's the greatest, right? It's it's all yes, getting a laugh because a laugh is involuntary. You, you know, applauding there, there there's no uh, you know there there can be just you know what what do they call that? Uh, uh, Pavlov's dog sort of thing. Well, that- no, it's it's like it's like they don't want to not applaud, so they choose to applaud. You know, courtesy applause. Yeah, there's no such thing as courtesy laughter. You either laugh or you don't. Yeah, and it's and it's the guy whose job it is to make you laugh. Oh my God! It's uh, no, I've never done heroin, but it's like heroin. I would assume <laughs> in that yeah. you are and you get the one, and then you you're chasing it again, and you keep chasing it, oh, and eventually. Jimmy. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. That, that's that is the story of my life, and 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 I will I will admit to you right now that I have a I don't know what you would call it. I, it a hobby is not the right term. It's more like uh, an obsession, but it's but an obsession uh, kind of implies that I'm that I'm constantly. But if I ever have an opportunity to get a laugh from an actual comedian. That is right. There, yes. I mean, getting a laugh is okay. Let's say getting a laugh is, you know, okay. Cocaine, you know, not not <laughs> the best coke you've ever done, but it's okay. Getting a laugh from a comedian, there's your heroin right there. That's I it? mean, I'm sorry. So, so I uh, I and I must say, uh, and I I tell the stories in my book of the laughs that I have gotten from comedians because I have a mental list of them all because <laughs> you, you remember each time it happened yes no, no, so obviously there weren't that all that many but you know it's like yeah so uh well so pick it up favorite. here and you can yeah i'll laugh at some point I just promise. laugh at something even <laughs> yeah. if you don't yeah thank yeah. you yeah okay. I'll, I'll give it then to I you can, i promise you then i can add you to the list and and you know so it's in, it's in your best interest as well because of course it i want to make that book <laughs> you want to make the book <laughs> yes it's still Still in the works, so good. Uh, I still got a chance. I want and hear me out, Kevin. Maybe I'm overstepping. I'm looking for a full chapter. I'd like that to be involved. <laughs> hey, you know what I mean? It all depends. Uh, uh, you know, the more laughs I get, uh, you know. <laughs> fair enough. Uh, all right, so you, you're kicked out of the band. We have to assume because you were some sort of an a hole, right? We got to assume that's why you're kicked out. You know what? Okay, yes, I, I, I would admit that, but I would say that there was. It's, and this was my problem is that so I, you know, I, I, I'm a folk singer, you know, I'm, you know, and now I'm in suddenly I'm in I'm the lead singer in Ario Speedwagon. These freaking guys play loud. And I'm like, so I'm trying to sing 
you know, and above this roar of this, you know, of rich rats, he had more speaker cabinets on stage. He had speaker cabinets that he wasn't even using. They were just uh-huh. there <laughs> in case. And so I start losing my voice. But I don't want the band to know this because then they'll probably kick me out. I've only been with them for a little over a year, right? Yeah. So I go to the Carl Clinic in Champaign. I, I get my voice scoped. And the guy goes, you've got a node on your left vocal cord. You need to not talk for three weeks, not sing for six weeks. Oh, Here's a little chalkboard you can carry around. And I'm like, I'm like, I am so screwed. So I didn't tell the band. Basically, this is, this is how smart I am. I'm like, okay, I'll just not talk to anybody and I'll only sing in the studio when I actually have to, not at rehearsals or sound checks. But I'm not going to tell the band why. Mm-hmm. So, yes, was was I an a hole? Is it, it's it's all yeah. your perspective. It doesn't sound like you were, but they but they saw it as that. That and, and could, could you blame them? I mean, I was like, you know. So yeah, so it uh, it uh, finally came down, and uh, well, also. We were the, the producer of the third Ario Speedwagon album, the Ride in the Stormont album, uh, w- uh, the singer of which I named my bed after. Right. Um, <laughs> the, the producer was Bill Halverson. Bill Halverson had produced the, the two amazing Crosby, Stills, and Nash albums. And I am the biggest Crosby, Stills, and Nash fan you will ever meet. And more specifically, Stephen Stills. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel the guy's underrated underappreciated he's got his voice his guitar playing his songwriting it's just miraculous what this guy does so um i forgot what i was saying um boy oh boy i was uh I, you went on some path about stephen stills and gave <laughs> his resume you're getting uh, kicked I, I out what i was talking about you're getting kicked out, and right, Matt? What do you oh, got? Yeah, so get kicked out of the band. So Bill Halverson, thank Halverson, thank you, whoever that was. Thank that you, was Matt. That was Matt. <laughs> um, thank you, Matt. So Bill Halverson is going to produce this album. He invites us over to his house. The whole band shows up, and his house was um, everything in the house was white. the The walls, all the furniture, the carpeting was white. He he walks in with his gorgeous model wife all dressed in white it was like you were visiting the freaking pope or something you know so we're all standing there you know i'm like shivering in my boots because i'm in the same room as the guy who produced crosby stills and Nash. here comes uh one of the caterers with a tray of fine french bordeaux very generous pours so i take this wine and i'm shaking to begin with and i fumble in the white room the, the red wine in the white room, <laughs> a costly fumble to say uh-huh. the least. <laughs> and uh, I think that was the beginning of a downward spiral <laughs> that uh, ended up in, uh, in my dismissal. But, um, you know, uh, and, and during my time away from the band, I will tell you that I was playing uh, solo acoustic shows. I once uh, opened a show in South Bend, Indiana, just in you know, Notre Dame, just down the road from Chicago. I open for the Eagles and I'm standing in the wings and I'm all set to walk out to a full house. They were touring on their Desperado album and I'm standing on the side of the stage, got my acoustic guitar. The DJ comes out, works the room a little bit and he goes, and opening the show tonight, 
is a young singer-songwriter, amazing guitarist. His voice is a is a treasure. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Dan Fogelberg. <laughs> and I'm on the side of the stage and I'm like, okay, I either run off crying and quit music and never come back, or I walk out there and I freaking kick some ass, you know? Right. And so I walked out there. The first thing I did was play Music Man for him. Cause I'm like, if there is an Ario Speedwagon fan out there somewhere, they would recognize that song. And uh, so it was, it was a character building uh, experience for me to say the least. But, well, uh, the good news is yeah. if you, if you, if you shit the bed, they're going to blame Fogelberg. They're not going to take it out on you. <laughs> that's, tr- that's true. Right. That that's so that probably really uh, hurt Danny's career. I think and, he had a and, tough time after that. Yeah, he did. He didn't. Yeah, he it, after that home free album, it was uh, it was all all downhill. Yeah, I, I believe yeah. he's got a song on souvenirs all about that experience. Uh, having <laughs> heard that story. Um, so you all right? You're gone from the band. You're doing the solo thing. You caught you rejoined the band. You put out an album uh, just called Ario. And just called Ariel, which has had this song. Go ahead. I, 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 there, there was one song that 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 the band heard. I made a demo um, in Chicago at uh, Gary Loizzo's studio, Pumpkin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Pumpkin, Pumpkin, yeah. the late Payless. great Gary Loizzo from the American Breed, sang lead on "Bend Me, Shape Me Any Way You Want Me." Produced all Sticks' records. Anyway, mm-hmm. Gary was a great guy. I made a demo of this song. And uh, somehow, uh, the Yariel guys got wind of it. My voice had recovered. Used to be lonely till I learned about living alone. Found all the things to keep my mind on. And I'm getting to know myself a little bit better. Well, yeah. Whoa, I keep pushing on. I keep pushing, keep pushing, keep pushing. Got to keep pushing on. Keep pushing. You know you've got to be so strong. Keep pushing, keep pushing. Even if you think your strength is gone, keep pushing, keep pushing, keep pushing on. Go without a chain, hell. I made, I made so many mistakes. Hit it, hit it, Jimmy. No, no, I lost it. I, I, I can't do anymore. I refuse to. <laughs> I uh, go through all the chain. God damn it, that's a great song. I. Uh, <laughs> I want to, I've all, I, Kevin, I've said this many times in my life. Uh, I, I wanted to get famous enough to play in a celebrity golf tournament, which I was lucky enough to do. And the other one I always want to do is to be invited on stage to sing Keep Pushing or Roll With The Changes, because you always bring like people out with you to sing those two songs. And True. so those were my two goals. So you know, understand something. I want a full chapter <laughs> in that book. Right, full chapter. And I want to, right. at some point, uh, be uh, brought on uh, stage uh, to, yeah. Uh, brought, on stage. Okay. <laughs> brought on stage to sing keep pushing or uh, uh roll with the changes roll with the changes either one. backup vocals backup vocals Our i'm looking for lead okay all right all right very good very good your, yeah your your choice <laughs> um uh all right you do that you come back you've got the live album 
Uh, which, of course, uh, Gary, he played guitar yourself. You sing, um, which is the greatest, uh, 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 not in the middle of 157 Riverside Avenue, the wonderful, just nonsense stage patter. But then here comes uh, Tuna Piano. You, uh, you can tune a piano, but you can't tune a fish, uh, which was Ario's first top 40 album, if I'm not mistaken. It was. And I heard, and maybe I'm wrong about this, and I find this to be craziness. Uh, considering what's about to come with High Infidelity, is that Tuna Fish is your favorite REO album. Is that true? Uh, you know what? I would say that, uh, yeah, a case could be made for that. It was, uh, you know, yeah, it was our first time that we actually produced the record ourselves. You know, Richrath and I show up in New York City. We're like, either we produce this next record or we're not recording. Like, we're, we're throwing down the gauntlet. And the president of the label is like, Okay. We're like, <laughs> All right. Yeah. We ran out of that room so fast, you know, like didn't right. want to give him a chance to change his mind. But, but uh, yeah, we ended up uh, producing the record and it was um, highly rewarding. I think for me, because the band kind of trusted my um, vision, you know, they, they really put the, you know, cause I had, I, you know, I rolled the changes. I had time for me to fly. Right. Uh, blazing your own try. I, I, my songwriting output, in that you know because it's it's always a roller coaster and you know so in our band it's kind of like the songwriting up you know that kind of the band kind of just goes with the songs and i think that's a pretty uh a pretty good way of doing things that's what i tell my kids to do but so yeah so that was uh that was an important record for me and uh um yeah and and more importantly that fish that you see on the album cover Nowadays, there'd be some, you know, virtual fish being photoshopped. This was a fish that we went to Long Beach Harbor, picked out a handsome tuna, <laughs> put it on ice, drove to Joshua Tree National Park, met the, the art director, carried this fish, plus all the gear, like on a mile hike in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> held this at sunrise, we're freezing our asses off, held that fish at the exact right angle so that the sunrise would would reflect off the tuning fork which we had put in its mouth and he captured that moment so it is you know stuff like that you know it is an iconic album cover it really is things things like that don't happen anymore uh, you know, I, I, Stanley, I, I glossed over this, though, Kevin. How did you then get back in REO? They, they, they kick you out. You're gone. How, how does, a, does Gary Richrath pick up the phone and say, hey, we want you back in? Uh, uh, they you guys came back to- uh, basically on hands and knees. Uh, of course. For of to, course. To return. And uh, I thought about it for a second. And then I said, yes. OK, very good. Uh, all right. So then Nine Lives comes after Tuna Fish. And then here comes High Infidelity. You did, did you guys I know this is the cliched. I'm not a journalist by any means. I'm a jackass comedian, but I know it's the cliched question that, I, that is asked when you're recording high infidelity. Do you know this is something special? This is going to explode or did it surprise you guys as much as it did radio? No, you don't understand. When we started high infidelity, what would become high infidelity, which was actually, uh, you know, 40 years ago right now is when we were writing the songs in this, doing the work that became high infidelity. So I celebrate this anniversary, even though the album's anniversary is next year, but uh, we started that record in, I mean, uh, can I say shithole on your show? Yes, of course you can. Unless you're referring to this show. (laughs) Oh, all right. So let's see. No. Uh, So, uh, so we we booked a demo time in this studio uh, 
called Crystal, and it was on the in the wrong side of Hollywood. Is the best way I can put it. It uh, it the, the, there was an aroma uh, when you walked into the room. It was a combination of like you know uh, a thousand cigarette butts, oh. um, hints of dried urine. It, it was it was a bouquet. Uh, unlike any place else I'd ever been. So no, we were making demos. We were record company said, basically they, they had given us 10 chances to have a hit single. And uh, this was pretty much it. And so we didn't know what to do. We, we just did what we always did. We went in, wrote the songs that we wrote, made the record that we made. But the thing about high fidelity was that uh, this is my theory that we'd been on the road in the studio constantly for four years, all of our personal lives were um, kind of feeling the effects of that, uh, you know, determination and that drive that we had as a band, but you know, the home life suffered and we were all going through it. And so the songs that we wrote, you know, we didn't, uh, we didn't set out to make a concept album, but again, accident. It was an accidental concept album because the songs, are all kind of coming from each one of our perspective, you know, keep on loving you and take it on the run. They are the mirror of one another kind of, I mean, that's, right. that's maybe a stretch, but anyway, yeah. So no, we had no idea. Um, but then it explodes. You have your first number one record. Not only do you have a hit, you have a massive hit radio. Can't stop playing this thing. You guys, I th- we're in, I would say in 81, is there a bigger band than REO Speedwagon? You know, 81 was a, was a pretty good year for us, I will say. And uh, what made it even better is, was that Dennis DeYoung was right. They were, it was so close to us, but I kind of, I finally avenged that, that loss. <laughs> right. Not that I hold a 48-year grudge by course. any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> but uh, no, this song... Um, I got to remember because Steve Jones from the Sex Pistols played an acoustic. Uh, he and I were supposed to do a sh- uh, radio show together, and he showed me how he played "Keep on Loving You" on guitar, and it was really awesome. Wait a- I think that's it. Ah. Should have seen. By the look in my eyes, baby, there was something missing. Should have known by the tone of my voice, baby, but you didn't listen. You played dead, but you never bled. Instead, you laid still in the grass, all coiled up in his sun. And I'm gonna keep on loving you, cause it's the only thing I want to do. I don't want to sleep, I just want Keep on loving you. Ooh. There it is, the number one hit. Ah. Keep on loving you, Steve Jones style. 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, Who would have thought in 1981 right? that the guy from Mario Speedwagon and the guy from the Sex Pistols would be jamming on Keep On Loving? I mean, right. I would not. Yes. That's, um, and, and that is the beauty. That is the beauty of music because it brings people together. It's, uh, you know, I always looked for, uh, for the common ground. That's kind of my thing, you know, and, uh, and I, and I have a song that I wrote all about it. As a matter of fact, another accident, of course, but, uh, yeah, but hanging out with Steve, I, I, you know, he was like, you know, asking me the chords and showing me his way to do it. And here we are bonding over this power ballad that, I mean, probably at the times, Steve Jones would have, if there would have been an REO Speedwagon record there, he probably would have spit on it or right. perhaps vomited on it or worse. <laughs> I don't know. Who knows? Nicest guy in the world. You know, uh -huh. it's like we, we totally hung. It was totally cool. So, you know, it, I dug it. You know, it was very cool. Uh, hey, we got to take a break. Kevin, are you doing okay on time? Can we take a quick break I'm, and come back for more? What am I busy? All right. Just making <laughs> sure. Uh, all right. Let's take a quick break. Kevin Cronin is here. He's got the uh, web series uh, songs and stories from Camp Cronin, uh, where his uh, daughter, of course, shows up once a week with Holly Spicks. Uh, we are only up to 1980, but we'll we'll go quickly through the rest of it. Uh, we'll be back with more Kevin Cronin right after this. Hey, guys, Matt here with some dates for you. Kevin Cronin is on Twitter at KCREO Speedwagon. I think that's also the official REO Speedwagon uh, handle on Twitter. So follow that for all of Kevin's stuff. Uh, hopefully they can get back out on the road soon so you guys can go see them. Also, check out Songs and Stories from Camp Cronin. That's on YouTube. It's on the REO Speedwagon YouTube channel. So just uh, search REO Speedwagon on YouTube and you'll find it. That's uh, If you know from this episode that Kevin's got great stories, he's a great storyteller. And uh, he was a great singer, great songwriter. So you've got everything you need right there. Songs and stories from Camp Cronin. And then uh, Jimmy Pardo also on Twitter, of course, at Jimmy Pardo. The show is at Never Not Funny. Elliot is at Elliot Hochberg. Garen is at My Name is Garen. And uh, you can like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash Never Not Funny. Our own YouTube channel, too, has videos of every episode, little clips to watch, plus the uh, Jimmy's Records and Tapes web series that uh, is a walk down memory lane via Jimmy's Record Collection. Please check it out at youtube.com slash nevernotfunny. Finally, Elliot Hochberg's fictionalbrands.net is still cranking out the hits. The hits meaning the shirts, the shirts meaning the masks. Now they're making masks. So go check out Elliot's new masks at fictionalbrands.net. Enjoy! Guys, Shopify is something that's very, very dear and important to me, and you know that. You know that. And Matt, you're laughing because you know that I don't stop talking about Shopify off the air. It's really, it's it's weird. It's like your new obsession. Like, you used to talk about, you know, Journey and Kiss all the time. Now it's just Shopify this, Shopify that. I know, and I, all I can do is apologize, but I'll tell you why. It's because whether you're selling scented soaps or uh, offering outdoor outfits... The SSS or the OOO, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, which I learned stands for point of sale, that's not the other thing that I've been saying. <laughs> right. That's uh, When you go on and on about Shopify, you, sound, you sounded a little foolish because you were raving about, uh, and then people would say, well, why, why is he talking about POS? Like, what? That's yeah. A, 
they didn't know either, and you didn't know how to tell them. Uh, well, no, because I was on the wrong side of history on that as well. Yeah. But point of sale is what POS stands for when we're talking Shopify. I'm excited because we've set up our own Shopify account to uh, handle our uh, our perks. You know, we were sending out uh, T-shirts and, and yearbooks to our subscribers, and uh, it's so easy. It's great. I get to, you know, assign roles to different people. Like our, our, our web guy, Jeff, is he's an admin in there now, and I, I just it was so easy to set him up, and then I set up our T-shirt guy. He's got an account in there he can log in he can do what he needs to do to get our shipping done it's awesome um i've been kept out of the loop on that uh because um you're kind <laughs> yeah well, as much uh, as you rave about it you don't want to know about i don't want to know i don't want to know how the sausage is made i just no. want to see the uh the, the results right that's what i want and, and also i don't know if illegally i can get away with this but it's so easy to shopify well, because Come you were on. off key, I think we're legally safe. I think I was on key for the, what I was doing. <laughs> we all knew what it was. Uh, you know, I'm not doing karaoke to a backing track. <laughs> it was on whatever key I was at. Uh, sign up for $1 per month trial period at Shopify.com slash Pardo. That's all lowercase. Shopify.com slash Pardo. Now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in, Shopify.com slash Pardo. Shopify, a better way to sell. Hey, sometimes you find yourself at uh, the, the wall that's uh, missing a couple of bucks. Now, who, did somebody steal it or what's going on over there? It doesn't matter how you're missing the bucks. Money might be a little tight. That's where earning comes in, Matt. Yeah, earning. Earning's there if you got a last uh, minute uh, gift for a loved one, an expect, uh, unexpected trip to the vet. I've seen a lot of that on uh, uh, social media, by the way. People saying, oh, I had to spend the night at the, at the pet vet. Yeah. People like using the phrase pet vet. Even though vet covers pet. I mean, what other, are you, are you at the... Wild animal vet? Yeah, you could be visiting a, a soldier. Oh, okay. Uh, I, I think people, I, I think they like the sound of pet vet. It does sound fun. It is fun to say. I get it. Uh, but nobody's pointing out that they're at the pet vet for fun. So uh, That's a good point. Yeah. Why are they, yeah. Why are they being uh, capricious or uh, silly with their very you know, serious issue? You know, capricious say. <laughs> uh, now, listen, This is here's the important thing. Earning is there because the point is you're not at the pet vet at three in the morning going, oh, good. I get to spend X amount of money right. uh, that I don't have. That's where earning jumps in. Yes. Uh, earning is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work up to $100 a day, up to $750 per pay period. Yeah. So it gives you a little goose if you need it. Yeah. It's, but you're, you're making the money by going to your job and working every day. They're just saying, hey, we can get you that money a little bit sooner than the, than the paycheck arrives. That's exactly right. Now, over three and a half million people are already uh, saying things like when I think about earning i think about financial stability security it gives me a lot of peace of mind that's what they're saying they say it like that yeah i would think there'd be a little more uh, excitement no these these are people that uh you you know when they're giving a testimonial they're caught off guard and then they're not comfortable in front of a microphone these are not professional broadcasters we are they 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 sound stilted but that's real that's genuine thank you man again it gives them peace of mind (laughs) uh hey download earning today that is spelled e-a-r-n-i-n that's in the google play or apple app store when you download the earning app type in never not funny under podcast please when you sign up it'll help the show let's them know who said to you there who directed you there once again put in never not funny under podcast subject your available earnings location daily max and pay period max see earning.com slash tos for details earning is a financial technology company not a bank bank products are issued by evolved bank and trust member fdic earning it's your money get it now Hey, everybody, welcome back to the show, episode 2617. Yeah, Kevin Cronin is here. He's taking time away from the camp. Uh, maybe having a knapsack or whatever they do, a sack lunch around the fire. I don't know what they do when we're not, they're not videotaping at Camp Cronin. Uh, making s'mores, maybe. maybe. Also, uh, what's that, Matt? Maybe making a s'more. Does any, do you like s'mores? Does anybody like s'mores? I don't like s'mores. No. I guess not. I have right. graham crackers for breakfast every day. Plain, just, just give me some graham crackers. Huh. 
In fact, that was my hotel alias for a number of years. Graham, Graham Cracker? Crackers. Yes. You know, Kevin, to, to that point of view, having an alias on the road, uh, I had, the, this is, again, a self-service. The very first time I ever met you guys was backstage. No, it wasn't backstage. It was after a show. You guys performed in Rosemont at the Rosemont Horizon. And, uh, and I know the date, and there's a reason I know the date. It was July 19th of 1985, which at that point, it was, I think, the third coldest day in Chicago history. Yes. And then the Survivor next day. Survivor opened, right? Survivor opened. That's exactly right. Yes. And the next day, was uh, it turned out, and it was 23 below zero without wind chill. Right. And you guys still jammed a place, which I found fascinating. Like, I, I, I was like, well, let's, let's still go. It'll probably be empty. Nobody's going to go out in this weather. But it was still packed. Again, you Ario's at the peak of their powers. And um, afterwards, I, I worked in record stores and I worked for MCA Records, Kevin, for a little while in the 80s. And uh, so I had connections. And so after the sh- not that it was a big shot, but I had connections to people at CBS and Epic. And uh, we were invited to the after party, which I found the fascinating. Bowling alley, right? Was that a bowling alley? Yes. Bowling alley. Dude. Yes. Now, is that something you guys did on the regular, as the young people say? Or was that some special? The fact that you remember, maybe it's a special thing. Well, you know, bowling, we used to um, we, <laughs> we used to actually reserve tennis clubs after the show. So we would play a gig, go to, to a tennis club and play tennis for, with, with like, you know, 50 or 60. Yeah, this ridiculous entourage. But that that was it must have been well because it was Chicago and it was Survivor, you know, another Chicago band. Right. But what I remember getting to you know, driving past the gig on the way to our hotel and there was a line of people, uh, at least a couple of thousand people in, you know, in the afternoon. And I thought that was, was the wind chill factor like 80 below? Or it, was, it was, it was like, like 80 below. It was like incredible. And people stood there. I was like, I was blown away. That's why I never forget that night because it's like, that is some, th- those are some people that really, they really want to hear the, the gig and, and things like that. I mean, I always get fired up for shows. I mean, I, you know, anyone because i'm just i'm i've always been mindful of the fact that i mean it always blows me away that people are willing to spend their hard-earned money to come and watch us i mean we're just like you know we're a bunch of boneheads up there just you know hitting guitars and and so i don't take that for granted for a second man i I, so i'm i come you know loaded every time not loaded in that way but i mean ready to rock you know but certain nights man something something like that happens and you go man these people these are the these are the real thing man and you go up there and you just tell the band you know there's a little something extra nights like that so it uh i'm gonna tell you what it came it came across because like you know again i was working in record stores and 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 for a record company and so i had been to a zillion shows but there was something special about that night and and, and i think you just you know put a uh, put a spotlight on it was we were all we all fought that weather to be there so there was a (laughs) like-minded idiocy really and uh and it was was uh, cool God damn it. That was a great show. And then and then like I said, to go bowling afterwards, uh, yeah. it just to me was like, oh, yeah, want to go to the after party. And and I never I'm not a guy that did drugs or anything, but I drank like an asshole, but I didn't uh, I didn't do drugs. So I was like, well, what the fuck? What's an after party? Me? What, what, what are we? Is it hookers and blow? What's going to happen? Oh, no, you're going to go bowling. All right. <laughs> uh, I find that were you guys not a party band afterwards or, no, you, you know, you missed the, the hookers and blow. Fuck, I missed it. Speedwagon. You just 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 barely, man, you know, damn it. Yeah, sorry. You know, well, 
I right, missed well, it too. You know, I mean, oh, you I, also I, missed it. It, <laughs> it happened, but I don't. I think I missed it. Well, it might have happened. I don't even know. I can't, I can't be sure. <laughs> you were trying to pick up an eight nine spare. I think that's why you missed the, the hookers. Um, and that was on the wheels of. That uh, was. I think what the tour was called. The wheels are touring, but it was the wheels are turning album that. Uh, yes. Again, we had a number one uh, song for you guys. Um, no, but it should have been called Wheels Are Touring. That would have been brilliant. Well, that, we, we need a man like you in this organization. Well, I'm more than happy to do it. You know what? Write that down on that list. So I'm happy to, I'm happy to help out Ario any way she be hand. You guys are, uh, you've had a tough go of it. I'm happy to help out. So, so let's say 2025, uh, the 40 year anniversary. The wheels are touring, dude. Mm, you're welcome. I love that. <laughs> I, I I swear that I think that's what you called it, but I'll take full credit for it. <laughs> oh, that, um, no, that would have been that, that would have been brilliant, and that was far beyond our. Uh, no, that was very. I love that. Thank you. Uh, but the, the first single off that album was "I Don't Want to Know," which wasn't really a hit. Although I think it's a great song. Uh, it was right. It was a semi hit, but then you know, can't fight well, the feelings. So when everybody remembers, it, it was the video for right. "I Don't Want to Know." If you remember that video, the uh, crazy, the, the wacky, with the, like the, splashing with paint, pixelated. And, yes. oh, it, was, it was crazy. It was so much fun. I don't want to know how much you love me. Right, right, that's a. Uh, I don't wanna I don't wanna know how much you love me. I don't wanna, I don't wanna, I don't wanna know. I don't wanna do what I'm supposed to. I don't wanna wear what I'm supposed to wear. I don't wanna, I don't wanna, I don't wanna know. Love it. Love it. Kevin Cronin, Ario Speedwagon. That's off the wheels are turning, which again, I'm, I'm wheels are touring uh, 2025. I'm going to be uh, opening for the band. Uh, <laughs> nothing, nothing worse than a comic opening up for a band in a venue. So that'll be a, a nightmare. Um, all right. So, Kevin, as I told you, uh, we play trivia on this. You bring your daughter on your show. I have my son get involved with my show. My son is 12 oh, years great. old. Nice. Um, I, every week, my son writes a trivia question. I'm going to give right. you the topic. Uh, and then you have to, uh, in your own head, decide if you're betting anywhere between zero and 25 points. Um, okay. And here it goes. Okay, so the topic right. is the Billboard Hot 100. The Billboard <laughs> Hot 100. Hot 100. Now, I don't know okay, what that so means. I, he, right. so, I keep, so I keep my bet in my head. Yeah, or you can write it down then, if you have a piece of paper if you want to do that. Yeah, no, no, I'm, no, I'm good. I got it. I'm locked in. I'm actually going to, I think I'm going to bet a little higher than I usually do. Um, I think so. Yeah, but I don't know. He's 12. Now, that's said, Kevin. My son's favorite band is Sticks. Keep that in mind. Oh. <laughs> so, oh tw- so, so wait, so wait, wait, hold on. Let me clarify. So this is your son sets the sets the the the, uh, the topic and the question. Yes. So he said everything hundred according to a 12 year old. Yes. But ah. again, he is a he's an 80s. He loves the 80s music. Sticks is his favorite okay. band. Um he was right, very excited okay. that you were joining the show. He's, he loves Ario as well. He okay. really is uh, likes anything his old man does. Uh, cool. but, but here's the beauty of this, Kevin. If, right. you, if you get this right and nobody else does, you will get $5, and, which means wow. one thing. You know, who, you know who didn't get five bucks? Dennis DeYoung. He doesn't have five dollars. <laughs> so now, you can rub this in his face the next time you see him. Fire it up, baby. Right? All okay. right, here's the question. Here's the question. All right, as I could open this up. And again, uh, Kevin, what you don't know is my son has horrible handwriting. Okay. So I will, uh, which... Amazing that he can even handwrite at, at this point. <laughs> well, and he... That's not, it's no longer taught in the uh, school. Yeah. So, right? As as yeah. 
Uh, all right. So this is a, which? Okay, which 1990 song? Oh boy. Which peaked? I know that now. Now, now I regret my my Ooh. bet. Matt, you have a chance. You're right you're, there. Right there. I'm, I'm out. All right. Yeah. Uh, me too. I'm, I fold. As I always say about the 90s, if it's not a hooting the blowfish answer, I'm screwed. Um, which 1990 song, which peaked at number five on the Billboard Hot 100, was a remix of a 1984 acapella song of the same name? Oh, wow. Boy, that's Ella. interesting. Acapella in '84. Now, some we should all know this. Ooh, I gotta. I, I'm, I'm. How many acapella I, I gotta, songs I gotta, are there? Right. Right. I wonder if the 84 one was a hit, though. That did, Yeah, does, that's a good question. Garen thinks he knows it. Oh, shit. Oh, wait, so, 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 not, so not do we press uh, an imaginary buzzer? Or, <laughs> you or will. I, 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 will, I will ask the, the, my cast guys here their answer. I will then get your answer, okay, and then gotcha. I'll reveal okay. the answer. Okay, perfect. Uh, uh, but, but Kevin, you're, you're welcome to press any sort of imaginary button that you like. <laughs> if, if that's going to get you more into the game. Ah, <laughs> uh, shit. Man, I, I I feel like this is gettable, but I can't think of it. I have a horrible guess, a horrible a guess, really because I think my guess the song came out in '89. I don't even think that my guess is is accurate. And, and, and it was the 1990s. Did it say the year in the 1990s? It was 94. It just says which 1990s song, which peaked at number five. Oh fuck, my guess is horrible because the song I was gonna guess went to number one. Number five. Uh, okay, I'm gonna go. I think ahead. I got it. Wow. I'm, I'm pretty confident. I'm still wrong. Good, good for I'm you, Garrett. Pretty confident. Oh, wow. I, I can think of the song, but I can't think Jeez. of the name of it now. Oh, wow. So Matt's more. Or I th- I can All right, think you guys, th- you guys think about this, and I'll ask Kevin a question. <sighs> yeah, yeah, go uh, ahead. We'll get, we'll, we'll get a Kevin Cronin story while you guys think about this. So, yeah, Kevin, good, you guys in 1985, you also had the... I, I I don't know if it was a pleasure or if it was a nightmare, depending on the various <laughs> bands that you speak to. Uh, they have a different take on it, but you guys were part of Live Aid. Yes. Did... Did you, is that experience that you I, I've never had a chance to t- talk directly to somebody that was at Live Aid. Did you enjoy that experience? Um, you know, it, it was a it was an, a long experience. The experience started the night before for us because we had a CNN camera crew who, who decided that they would see Live Aid through the eyes of Ario Speedwagon. So they okay. met us at the plane the night before. But the t- I, 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 I had a rough night. I will tell you the night before. But the actual day of Live Aid, like I was, a, I was scared shitless from the time I got off the plane. I walked out on stage in front of like two billion people, and I felt fine. Okay. And I realized at that moment that most human beings would would list. Um, uh, speak public speaking or going out on stage, you know, having stage fright as their top fear. That, that's, I think, the number one fear in human beings. Yeah. I, on the other hand, have uh, another type of uh, affliction. I have everywhere except on stage fright. Yes. So oh, I get I'm it. Terrified. I'm terrified for the rest of my life. When I get on stage, that's the one time that I feel, oh, Okay, this feels good. So, you know, right. so, so the, yes, the, the experience of performing at Live Aid was fun. No sound check. Every, I mean, I started playing Roll with the Changes in the wrong uh, octave on the piano. Oh, shit. Um, you know, we had a couple of the guys in the Beach Boys, Paul Schaefer, were hanging out on the side of the stage. So I think they came out and sang your part, uh, Jimmy, on Roll with the Changes. Okay. So, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was... Uh, it was it was a lot of fun, and then it, it, of course we we, we go right from stage 
to the airport into a plane. We, we don't even change our stage clothes. We go right to Milwaukee and play a headline show at Marcus Amphitheater that night. So it was just, right. it was wild. But it what was fun. Great. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, you guys went on. I mean, obviously, they would uh, go back to England in between to let the stage be set up. But if I'm not mistaken, it was you guys. And then your heroes, Crosby, Stills and Nash, went on right after you guys, didn't they? You know what? I think they did. I, I remember when we got there, uh, the backstage area was like, you know, a lot of like trailers and stuff like that. But I seem to remember there was one teepee set up backstage and sitting what? in front of the teepee by himself was Neil Young. And I just have that picture in my mind. Now, it's altogether possible that I'm totally made that up. Yeah. You know, I can't I can't swear to it. We need some other eyewitness accounts. But yeah. I, and I think I think and I don't know this for a fact, but I think Black Sabbath might have gone on before us. So I think it they went were, something like. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, no. What, what, what were you going to say? I, 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 th th I think it was. I think it was. Uh, I think it was Sabbath and Rick Springfield and you guys, I think, were the three okay. in that order. Yeah. I apologize. And that's how it felt backstage. That, that there was just the the eclectic nature of because everybody, everybody wanted to be part of that show. I mean, it was just such a, you know, you started hearing uh, about the artists who were who were scheduled to play, who were there from from day one. And you're and so everyone, you know, it's like you want to be a part of something that, yeah. you know, the, the, obviously the charitable aspect was a huge draw. But just the enormity of the event it was like. Wow. If if you can if you can find a slot there, you're going to take it. You know? So it was yeah, uh, yeah. it was it was an honor. For sure. Oh, that's great. Uh, because, you know, I, I just finished Phil Collins's uh, uh, autobiography where he admits that he ruined Live Aid for everybody by playing with Led Zeppelin. Like he 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 takes the blame. He recognizes he shouldn't have been up there, uh, which is uh, because it, people hated him for that. People hated him that he felt really? the need to make it all about him. And he's like, I didn't want to make it about me. I just, I, Robert Plant asked me to play. I showed up. I thought I was going to play drums. All of a sudden, it's a, now it's hyped as a Zeppelin reunion. And he, he basically just said, so I'm sorry. Yeah, so, but uh, you know what? But, but that's such bullshit because, I mean, he's a great drummer. You know, right. he's an amazing, obviously a great singer, great songwriter. But before any of that, he was, he, he was like Dave Grohl before Dave Grohl, as far as drummers who are so talented that, you just know that eventually they're going to end up in front. It's, it's, it's inevitable. And then once they do, see, I, I have a theory that all lead singers secretly wish they were drummers and all drummers secretly wish they were lead singers. And I talked uh, about this uh, with Taylor Hawkins of the Foo Fighters, who, who now plays in a band with a drummer who was once a drummer and wanted to be a lead singer and now is. Taylor himself is a drummer who wants to be a lead singer. And, and so when I, when I shared my uh, theory with him, because I'm a, I'm a closet drummer, I love to play the drums. And every once in a while, I like, I'm like, oh, wow, I'm sounding pretty good. And then I think that and, you know, <laughs> it's I, disaster. I, I, I lose it. You know, it's like, <laughs> but uh, so that's. Have the you thing. seen the, uh, the clips uh, to that point of uh, Rick Astley uh, playing drums on uh, ACDC's? Is it uh because uh, you you shook me all i shook me all night long i think and rick ashley plays right. drums on that and really? uh Can he it, play? it's one of those he, he's good yeah, yeah he's good yeah. yeah i mean steven tyler steven tyler is a tremendous drummer i mean it no matter what instrument you play whether you're a singer uh 
if you can play a little drums at all, that's a good thing because drums are kind of a real natural thing. People sit down at a drum set and they either start to play something or they don't know what to do. And, mm-hmm. and my, my oldest son, Paris, uh, when he was about two, two and a half years old, we had a little, you know, Mickey Mouse drum set in the family room. And he used to sit down and play. And, and I heard him playing uh, eighth notes on the snare drum and the backbeat on, on the ride cymbal. And I'm like, but, it, but his groove was good. It was like he was really playing. And then I was like, mm-hmm. duh, switched it around. He was lefty. So I, ah. I, figured, I figured out my son was lefty because because of the drums, you know. And yeah, yeah, yeah. he's a he's a great drummer. Oh, Paris is just a fantastic. Plus, he plays a number of other instruments really well too. But yeah, playing being, being the knowing how to play the drums just means you got a little natural rhythm, and that helps no matter what you're doing musically. Uh, Kevin, do you have any kids that aren't talented? It sounds like every kid in this family is. Uh, yeah, so no, sadly, they're all far more talented than me. So it's, it's like, but in my defense, yesterday, and maybe it was just because it was Father's Day and my boys uh, had mercy on me, but I don't think so. But I won a game of horse against Josh and Shane. I think the last time I actually won a game of horse with them was 2000. Eight, maybe 2007 mm-hmm. and uh last night man i was i was unstoppable my, yep. my shots were just falling so i put the pressure on them so i never had to follow them otherwise they would have been like shooting three pointers you know i just kept it kept it within the 12 to 14 foot range in general free throw called board a couple of times you know and short mm-hmm. shots and Walked away with the victory, man. So, you know, the old man still got a little something. <laughs> what, uh, when you play horse, do you do the, when I play horse with my son, we'll do the crazy thing where you, you, you gotta, you, you call your shot, dribble three times, turn around, make your shot. Do you do that with your boys or is it just actual basketball shots? It's actual basketball shots, but here, okay, but I got a question for you. Because yes. the way I know the game is, let's say you're playing with three people. First person makes his shot. Second person misses the shot. Third person, free shot. He can do whatever he wants in the way I play. Mm -hmm. Now, the way my sons play is if there's three people playing, even if the second person misses, the third person still has to make that first shot. What, what's your ruling on this? We, you know what? We play it that way. Um, <sighs> although I think my son gets mad at me every time I suggest it. I think he wants to play your way. Where I, and I think my wife—I might be the only guy that's ruining it. I think my <laughs> wife and son prefer it but your no, version. But what you're saying, and and Kevin, what your sons are saying is a little more fair because then it's then the order doesn't matter as much, right? Uh, Not quite as much. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. it still matters who you're after, but you get to have a free shot, you know, yeah, if, yeah. if the other guy misses, which, you know. Yeah, but I, I feel if you, if, if let's say if Kevin, if, the, if Matt, myself and Kevin are playing, Kevin makes the shot, I then go up and miss it. I think Matt still has to, Matt, I, I feel that Matt should have to make the shot that you made to start that no. round. No, 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 no. Matt's free, free shot for Matt. You missed. You don't want Matt doing a free shot. Then he's going to take over the game. <laughs> <laughs> then that's true, because if he then missed the shot that I made, 
and I would know something about both of you, and I would just right. stay at that same spot and shoot from there for the right. entire rest of the game, and just all right. So you know. yeah, you know, although That's now you bring point. up a good argument for the other side of it, if that guy should get a free shot so that you don't do anything like that. <laughs> no, I mixed it up yesterday. I made a couple of fourteen to I I, I would say sixteen footers from from each corner, nothing but net. Nice. And my boy, and I'll tell you what, my boys have got game. I got no game. As long as if someone's defending me, I couldn't hit the, I couldn't throw a pee in the ocean, as Chick Hearn used to say. But <laughs> if no one's defending me and it's just me and I can really concert on my shot, you know, I can do okay. But, All right. Yeah. Well, happy Father's Day to you. I think they <laughs> threw you. it. But Thank you, if you want to walk away feeling that you yeah. uh, beat them, that's fine. Uh, <laughs> all right. Let me get the uh, let me get the trivia answers here. Yep. In oh, 1990s, okay. uh, which 1990s song which peaked at number five on the single on the Billboard Hot 100 was a remix of an 84 acapella song of the same name. Uh, wait, 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 wait. Let me ask you. Let me clarification. Yes. So yes. it's a song of the same name. It's not the same song. But, but it's a remix of that song. Yeah, it's a remix of right. an but 84 acapella. It is the it's same, same song. song. Yeah, it's the same, same song. song. But it might have other elements. Like it could be a rap right. song. Right, right, right. right. It, yeah. But yeah. it's not just two different songs that happen to have the same name. No. Correct. Okay, no, good. yeah, right. It's, it's, uh, all right, Garen, what do you got? Well, you, you're so, you're, Garen, you're very confident. I very was confident. until you just said that. Uh, <laughs> but I'm going to stick with my answer. I'm going to go with Tom's Diner. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? That was mine too. By, by Suzanne Vega. Is that Suzanne Vega, right? Yeah. Suzanne Vega, yes. Because that's, that's why I was struggling. I was like, it's the doo 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 song. But, uh, but that is a song that had a 90s, like more dance mix version that was a hit. And I, but was it all a cappella? But I don't remember if the original was a cappella. I think it was. Uh, Matt, is that your guess? That is also, yeah, I also said Tom's Diner. I'm only jumping in right now. I know I'm going out of order, but I'm only jumping in because my guess was Luca. Oh wow! You were what? She lives on wow. the second floor. In the what are the, the odds that three dudes picked a Suzanne Vega song? But, That's but Luca, but Luca's yeah. not acapella. I recognize my guest sucks. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? Oh, you're, you know, your staff really rubs it in there. Oh, trust me. I, I, That's I, somehow, job. aggressiveness going on over there. Kevin, I don't know when it turned from me being the star of the show to me being the stooge. I don't know when it turned, <laughs> but it happened at some point. Yeah, yeah. No, I know the feeling. That's how it is for me every night at the dinner table. <laughs> oh yeah, so, yeah. Uh, here's dad, the daughter of old man. Uh, all right, Elliot, what's your guess? So I didn't go that direction. I was trying to think of anybody who did acapella at any point in the time that I've been alive. I was thinking about Manhattan Transfer, but I couldn't come up with a song that I for sure knew. So I just said My Girl, but I'm almost positive that's wrong. But I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Manhattan Transfer was the singer of the 1984 version of whatever That's interesting. Uh, yeah. I also thought of Bobby McFerrin, but that was... Uh, yeah, but none of his stuff that was popular was acapella. He did a lot of acapella stuff. Right. I'm, an, I'm a Bobby McFerrin guy, so I would know. Mm. I, I don't think... We know I don't it. think this would... <laughs> you don't shut Although up I could be wrong. Maybe I've forgotten something. I hope you're wrong because of the condescending tone you took out. I also feel like 84 <laughs> is a little too early for Bobby McFerrin. Well, no, no. I'm, I'm suggesting that Bobby yeah. McFerrin was the... That they ended up doing a remix of Oh, his. yeah, yeah. No, that... It's uh, a terrible uh, guess uh, he did a re- for a lot of other It's a reasons. horrible <laughs> guess. It's a guess. It's yeah. the worst guess of the night. It's yeah. worse but than guys, Luca. Could you, could you ease up on how horrible that guess would be? <laughs> Thank you, Kevin. Someone on the panel... Perhaps hypothetically guessing something along those lines. Oh, okay. Good point. Good point. Yes, we should have waited to see what the guess is. Jimmy's All right. So then, what's your guess? Kevin Kevin. is sitting here rethinking his entire. uh, uh, (laughs) No, I was going to say. Okay, so it's got to be a cappella. So that 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 eliminates a lot of guesses right off the bat. So I'm thinking a cappella. I'm thinking 
a song that might have been redone in the 90s. So I'm going with Don't Worry, Be Happy. That was, you know what? I, you can't guess, see it. Good guess. I, good guess, I, I Kevin. Good guess. Good answer. Good answer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Why do you have to cross it out? Because right. I changed my mind to Luca. I was so excited uh, that I thought of uh, Luca. But right, don't right. worry, be happy was my that was my first gut. Uh, Let me ask you a question. What what was it about Luca that made you come to the conclusion that it was, in fact, an acapella song? Uh, what, well, first it? of all, it's not. So it's oh, a horrible right. guess. <laughs> uh, that, well, that was kind I, of like the gist of my question. I think in, I also, in your head, you, you you knew that it was Suzanne Vega. Like, or if, yes. if, if we're right, maybe we're not right. But if you were thinking of Tom's Diner, but you couldn't pull it. Like, 100%. Because I did the same thing. I was like, I knew it was okay. Suzanne Vega. And I was like, what's the song? It's not, but it's not Luca because that's not a cappella. But I couldn't think of the name. Uh, all right. Well, okay. let's find out. Right. Here we go. Are we ready? Oh, did UB40 do a remix of that? I thought of UB42, Red Red Wine. I wrote, I crossed that yeah. out too. It might Could be. be. Could all be. All right. Here we go. Aha. I will tell you this. We got a winner. Oh, we boy. got a winner. Oh, boy. Uh, and the, uh, the band DNA took Suzanne Vega's voice and added their beats originally without permission. However, Vega much later, uh, much later said she loved it. Her voice track, uh, boy, again, my son's head writing. The, the voice track, uh, Castle, that can't be right. Very, <laughs> very first song covered to MP3, which is how the band did it. And the answer is Tom's Diner. Nice. It is wow. Tom's Diner. High five, That is Aaron. impressive. That is impressive. That's, I'm, all right, so you guys each get 250. Isn't that exciting? Yeah. yeah it's, no, it's a point value. But that's it's Oh, it's a point value. My apologies. Yeah. My apologies. Let's find out the points. What do we all bet? Aaron, what do you Aaron, got? what'd you go with? I went with 15. Nice. I went Matt, with two. Not that it matters. Uh, I went with 17. It doesn't matter. Kevin, what'd you go with? You know, I, I bet the farm. I, I nope. Well, 25? I went for 25. So, like, do I owe you now? You now owe us another $20,000. Yeah. Ah, uh, jeez. Uh, that was off the air. That, that uh, Matt, what did you bet? Well, it's it hurts to say it, but I said twenty. Oh, you boom! Suck, suck it, Garen. It doesn't hurt you at all. <laughs> you, you know what you're doing. I tried to I tried to, to switch it up. I wanted to fool you guys into thinking I went low. Well, that means Matt wins that again. Uh, all right, Kevin Cronin's been our guest. Kevin, could we talk? I, I know that you, you, first of all, you talked about how it's important for you to get a laugh from a, from a comedian. <laughs> but also, could, could I ask you to close up with one last song after you tell this story? Yes. Is that possible? Yes, absolutely. Uh, so Fair deal. who is, I, I meant to ask this earlier, but when you mentioned that you have a list of the times that you made comedians laugh. Do you have one that stands out more than the others? Um, well, I do. It's a, it's a pretty impressive list, and, and, I, and but I'll save that for the book. So, um, but uh, <laughs> gotta save something for the book. When is but, the by the way? When when is the when is the book due to come out? Or if you're still working on it, probably 2021. I would imagine. I would have to finish in order for it to come out. I would yeah. first have to finish it. That makes That's sense. That's really kind of the problem. Uh, um, I'm on my. I believe this is rewrite number eight oh, that I'm Jesus. just about to finish, but. But in my defense, I heard that uh, Springsteen, whose book I didn't read because I didn't want to be unduly influenced, uh, I heard he did nine and that it took him seven and a half years. So okay. I'm, I'm three and a half years in, started as an accident, of course. Um, but all right, so comedians. I love yeah. comedians. I have the utmost respect for the stand-up comedian. It's the hardest job in the world, as we, as we talked about earlier. So, but to get a laugh, is amazing. So, all right. So my thing is to try to get a laugh from a comedian. So I, my song can't fight this feeling. 
comes on the radio as Ryan Gosling, actor Ryan Gosling, and uh, and director Nicholas Refn, R-E-F-N, highly regarded uh, director. Uh, they've always wanted to work together. So they get together for dinner in L.A., and and Ryan is sick, and the dinner doesn't go well, and they're in this car, and they're driving home, and there's awkward silence. Gosling goes for the radio, can't fight this feeling, comes on. And at that moment, both of them come up with this idea for a movie. And it's called Drive, yeah. right? So the movie's Drive. Uh, it's a, it's a uh, you know, fast cars, you know, n- it's not a comedy. Albert Brooks plays like the baddest, badass bad guy. You're totally against type. You know, Albert is one of the funniest guys in the world. Right. So he plays this. He doesn't have one funny line in the movie. He's just a total a-hole. So, all right. So I get invited. My wife and I get invited to a party, uh, you know, like, a I don't know, something to do with the movie. And we're seated. We're in a pretty small room, not a huge group. We're, sit- we're seated at a table for eight. There's other comedians in the room at different tables. The table next to mine. I'm literally back to back. I I get up to pee. I come back and I notice it's freaking Albert Brooks. So I'm like, I'm so close and yet so far away. So (laughs) I'm I'm at my table and I'm, and I, and I walk around, I, you know, you know, when you see people, you know, at one of those parties, you walk up to their table, you say hello, but I didn't have the guts because Albert Brooks was right next to me to get up and go over to his table. Just, I, I don't know. So, and I couldn't think of anything to say. And I'm, you know, and you know, I'm wanting to get a laugh. If I go there and stiff for Albert Brooks, it's like, it's going to ruin the night. So, yeah. so here we are. We're one of the last ones to leave the party. We're out outside of Chateau Marmont. And it's this beautiful old hotel with like a cobblestone driveway that comes up. And that's where they, the, the, the ballet brings your car. So Lisa and I are standing there. We're talking. And then up across the driveway walks. I see over out of my peripheral vision, it's Albert Brooks and his wife. I say to Lisa, I'm like, Lisa, you're, you're not going to believe who stand. Don't look. Albert Brooks is standing right there. She, she goes, is he talking to his wife? Because I'm like, you know, this is my chance. You know, she goes, is he talking to his wife? I go, no. All right. As long as you don't interrupt him, you can you can make your move. And I should know this because I've been on the other so, you also know how to talk to human beings. <laughs> I, well, yeah, they, yeah, sometimes. So, so I walk across the thing. I walk up to Albert Brooks. I extend my hand, and and he extends his. So that's a good sign. And I go, "Hi, Albert. My name's Kevin. Saw the movie. You were hysterical." <laughs> and he literally did a spit take because it was. You know what I mean? Anyhow. Right. Right. Yes, gorgeous. I mean, that was a that that was that was comedy writer type shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not not that I'm 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 semi pro all the way, but (laughs) I I got a spit take out of Albert Brooks. It was it it was one of the pinnacles of my uh, (laughs) career. And there's but there's plenty more. We're gonna get in the book. There's only one way to find out the rest of them. Uh, will you also talk about your uh, appearance? Uh, The band was on in the TV show Ozark. Will will that also be in the book? That will yes. There the the. Yes, that was a 
God, that was just such an amazing experience. And since it kind of just happened, uh, I would be remiss, thank you for bringing it up, to not uh, to not thank, uh, well, Jason Bateman, it starts at the top, but the whole Ozark thing, Laura Linney, I mean, like just, you know, it starts at the top, everybody there was totally cool. They treated us with such, uh, I mean, they shouted us out. They actually, Tommy Shaw actually pointed out to me that they actually referred to our band in episode one, season three, as The Wagon. <laughs> Love it. I mean. We're going to go see right? The Wagon. The Wagon. Yeah. The, you know, the, the guy from the dentist's uh, convention says, all right, we'll hold our event on your riverboat if you can guarantee The Wagon. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. Love you know it. what I'm saying? I do. And uh, but here, okay, there was only one. Uh, there was one thing that was a little squirrely, and that is that in the the, the you know. So I said, okay, you know, wh- what's the scene about? And so they told us. They told me that um, in the scene, my uh, manager Dicky uh, calls the lead singer in Ario Speedwagon, Kev, and and and. Uh, and relays an offer from from Marty Bird that uh, that Ario Speedwagon launder a large sum of drug cartel money through our merch uh, uh, booth, and for that, for the effort, will be paid a hundred thousand extra dollars for the gig. And Kev, who you don't hear or see, but on the other end of the line, agrees to launder. All right, so this is problematic in a, in more than one way. First of all, every other character in Ozark is fi- is a fictional character. Right. There was a time where I would say I was semi-fictional, but nowadays I pride myself on being strictly non-fiction. So so Mar- you know, it's not Jason Bateman laundering money, it's Marty Bird laundering money. But in this thing it's Kev. Right. Me. I'm I'm agreeing to launder cartel money. And even worse, and, and I expressed it to, to Jason, and he he um he you know he took the bullet, I, I'll say for the, for the I said, Jason, I would never do it for one hundred. I mean we're talking <laughs> two, two fifty you know, quarter mil. Yeah, minimum. <laughs> minimum. But it was it was a great experience, you know, time for me to fly it becomes reborn, you know, all of a sudden, right. you know, uh, it's just, uh, you know, so it was just really fun, really rewarding. And, and I thank the Ozark people. They, uh, they shouted us out. Like it was just great. It was a great experience. That's awesome. So I have you. not watched season three yet. And I am, uh, uh oh, yeah. regretting not having done so. And Dude, I will uh, watch it too sweet. You, I mean, this is the time, you know? Yeah, that's true. You know, I'm finding at night, Kevin, I, uh, I'm i watching old episodes of Starsky and Hutch and That Girl during this time. <laughs> to, to That's kind an of just combination. It is bizarre. I don't disagree, but I think it's just a way for me to relax and just... Uh, I know there's a, newer shows for me to be binging and watching, but for some reason, there's a comfort in watching these things I watched as a kid, and I think that's uh, why I'm revisiting those. Well, you know, that brings, brings up a, a, a Starsky and Hutch uh, we, we were visiting Liverpool and we had a, a, a beetle guide uh, who a, a young, well, not so young, but she was Paul McCartney's 
fan club president back before the Beatles were became the Beatles, right? So we're, we're driving around and we're seeing Strawberry Fields, we're seeing, you know, Penny Lane, we're seeing all this stuff. And then toward the end of the tour, this giant tour bus, we pull up to the front of this little pub and the tour guide tells us that this is the pub where Ringo Starr's parents used to hang out. Ringo used to live behind it and he would sometimes sneak in, hang out with the kids, this kind of bluesy pub. So she walks in uh, to the pub. Maybe there's some characters that knew Ringo that she was going to, I don't know. But we see these, these kids on the front porch and they're really excited and we're like, Oh, geez, if we get out of this bus, we're just going to be sitting here. We're going to be signing out. It's just going to be a pain in our ass. These kids are really excited. Like The guide comes back to the bus and comes in. Now, picture Bruce Hall, blonde hair, all right? Our road manager, Tom Consolo, dark hair, combed backwards, kind of wavy. Okay. The kids thought... They looked in the bus and thought that it was Starsky and Hutch. And Love that's it. why they were so excited. <laughs> so, you know. Love it. Uh, you know, whatever it takes. Right? Uh, Kevin, yeah. uh, thank you so much for being here. This was an absolute treat. This was a joy. Well, well, Jimmy, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. It was a joy. Nice to meet all your crew there. And uh, let's do it again, man. I'm, I- I'm, uh, I'm down. I look forward to it, and I will. Uh, we do a charity event uh, every year for Smile Train, and since you are so close, if you're in town, we would love to have you join us for that. And I will I, reach out. That would be great. And you know what would would be really great? I just thought of something. So, uh, Dennis DeYoung took on, a, became kind of a. Well, he's kind of a part of my book, a reoccurring character, so to speak. Just again by accident, and so so it would be a it would be a blast. When when the book is done, you know, which won't be too too far in the future. If your charity thing comes up first, let me know. But to come on and, you know, just kind of with the actual finished book and have Dennis come on, too, we it would, would be that would be a lot of fun. So uh, we would like we would love to have you back. You are welcome <laughs> back here anytime. Uh, uh, book, no book, whatever you are. No book. Uh, yeah, all right. You are welcome. Uh, the, the show is called Songs and Stories from Camp Cronin. You can check that out at, on YouTube. Uh, of course, his daughter, Holly, is a part of it as well. And uh, as I mentioned, it is it's just amazingly charming and, and fun to watch. Uh-huh. Um, the one album that I didn't mention uh, that I, 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 I and I'm, obviously I'm a big fan of Ario in general, but uh, the 87's Life as We Know It with the song That Ain't Love. Uh, uh-huh. is, is there a chance you could play us out with that, Kevin? Sure thing, man. That song, um, are you familiar with Becca Bramlett? Her, her Becca Bramlett, yes. Bonnie and Delaney, right? Yeah, Delaney and Bonnie. And then she joined Fleetwood Mac for a tour, an album and a tour. That's where I met Becca for the first time. Oh, that's right. You did that tour together, of course. We did the tour together, and I just, you know... I fell in love with her. She's just so talented, so soulful. And so I was in Nashville uh, doing kind of countrified versions of some of my songs. And I remember that Becca lived in Nashville. So I'm like, well, she's not a country singer. I don't care. And I had That Ain't Love ready. And with a pedal steel, you know, it was kind of a little country flavor. Becca came in. You know, she had heard the song because we played it live. But I can't say she really knew it. She came and sang that song in one performance. And I literally, it brought me to tears. And it taught me such a freaking amazing lesson. And uh, so I Becca to thank for that. Uh, she showed me something in my song that I didn't even know was there. Oh, wow. 
kind of. I mean, I knew it was there because I wrote it, but I, right. I thought that writing it was enough. I thought the emotion of writing it, then all I need to do is just sing, sing it in tune. No. Mm. So thank you, Becca. You tell me what thing I'm feeling. You know how I do what I do. Why should you listen to what I'm saying? But it's already so clear to you. You tell me about my bad intentions. You not forget, you doubt the very things I hold true. I can no longer live with your misconceptions. Baby, all I can say to you is that ain't love. I believe you got the wrong emotion. But that ain't love. At least it doesn't feel like love to me. As long as I say what you want to hear. As long as I say, say what you want to hear. Do what you want to do. Be who you want me to be. You think that's love, baby, that ain't love to me. Well, we got to talk it over sometime. These feelings won't just disappear. I'm just going to keep telling you what's on my mind, even if it's not what you want to hear. Right now, your world and mine are such different places. Through yours, I wander lost and confused. And I feel like I'm speaking in a different language. And the only words I haven't used are that ain't love. Oh, I believe you got the wrong emotion. Better that ain't love. At least it doesn't feel like love to me. As long as I say what you want to hear, do what you want to do, be who you want me to be, you think that's love, better that ain't love to me. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Kevin. Okay, thank you, man. All right, stay there, though. Don't go. Don't run away. We got to say goodbye okay. off the air. Uh, okay. Let me say goodbye. On behalf of the Pop Culture Beast, there he is. That's uh, Gary Cockrell back there at Video Village. That's the uh, Cinnamon Stick. That's Elliot Hochberg holding down the fort in Sherman Oaks, California at the studio, NNF Studios. That's the Honcho Matt Melnap. Our new friend. I'm calling it now. Our new friend, okay. Kevin Conan. I'm Jimmy Pardo. We'll see you next time on the podcast. AK-47, gone, not forgotten. Love Never Not Funny? For a second episode every week and video of every episode, plus bonus perks, sign up for a Platinum subscription at NeverNotFunny.com. Never Not Funny is executive produced by Jimmy Pardo and Matt Belknap. Video production by Elliot Hochberg. Production assistance by Garen Cockrell. Music by Daver and Watch It Burn. Copyright 2020, Never Not Funny, LLC. Never Not Funny.